me stop the bullets. Swimming through the waters of Babylon like a rebel fist. Jogging specialist, critical and survivalist. Living heaven, fight for his lips. Burn a slave driver. Welcome, listeners, to Time for an Awakening on Black Talk Radio Network, new media for the new millennia. This is a history and current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4, 6 states, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge, but we as a people We'll turn this around. Proverbs 4, 7 states, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. With all that, getting get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to join the conversation this evening, this evening is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live at several locations. You can go to timeforanawakening.com which is the homepage and catch the live stream at that location. You can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening and catch the live stream there also. You can go to abitumi.com. That's that's abitumi.com forward slash time for an awakening and catch the broadcast there. Or you can download the TuneIn Radio app to any of your devices. TuneIn is a free app. And in that TuneIn Radio app, in that search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening there. You'll see the icon. And you can stream the program live even into your car if you had the Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, that's Time for an Awakening Radio program with the live stream on the TuneIn app. Drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Again, that's timeforanawakening at gmail. Dot com Time for an Awakening. I also have the fan page on Facebook. In that Facebook search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening radio program. There you always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And do me a favor, before you leave that page, just hit that like button. It's Time for an Awakening radio program with the fan page on Facebook. And Time for an Awakening media is there. Always full of the latest podcasts of the various programs on Time for an Awakening media. Interesting articles that you can read, download at later times, also share with your friends. Also check out that Time for an Awakening Marketplace in our partnership with the BB2Me. Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time. Uh, different African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. It's 7.07 here in the city of Philadelphia on this uh, blistering Sunday night here in the city of Philadelphia, and we're in this uh, Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Our guest this evening that will be on to share with us, activist, organizer, candidate for U.S. Senate in Georgia, Sister Tamara Johnson Sheely will be with us to discuss our platform on reparations, economic justice, and empower, equal opportunity and empowerment in the state of Georgia. She'll be joining us in conversation, and you can join her too. And we'll be right back 
to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors. Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and, and our enemies. <laughs> You are listening to Time For an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Overworked? Suffering with an underperforming company, headache customer, staff, or vendors? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not where you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. From anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go 
what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot. Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit us up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening at 713 here in the city of Philadelphia. And before we get started with our program, I want to welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum here in Philadelphia at 7th and Street. Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard. Yes, sir, Brother Ellie. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing fine. I'm, I'm um, definitely interested. Um, I'm glad we were able to get um, candidate um, um, Tamara Johnson Shealy to, you know, kind of share as she goes through this here. And I'm, I'm going to call it this magnanimous process of, of being engaged in the electoral, you know, the electoral system, but, but definitely with the issue of uh, reparations, the policy, you know, development for reparations and, and being a candidate, a, I'm going to say stateswoman, um, um, to push the um, position of reparations as I understand it in the state of Georgia. So uh, I'm, I'm interested in here, you know, getting, um, having this exchange. Listen, um, these messages are always important to our people. We try to use this venue to get the messages out. It's necessary for our people to know candidates there that are operating and have a position policy in, in our collective interests. Uh, I can see from what I've read uh, that uh, her sister Tamara Johnson-Shealy's uh, platform is based on that. It would be good to have her come on to expand the uh, conversation and let our listening audience know exactly what's happening uh, from her perspective in Georgia, which is just a microcosm of what's going on uh, in any major city in these United States, especially when it deals with African-American people. Uh, Richard, is she with us here? Yes, six seven uh, six seven eight exchange. I believe is her. Let me go to it. Good evening. Uh, how you doing, sister? I thought I thought we were going to miss you there for a minute. Uh, <laughs> how, are, I just, <laughs> how are you? I, we God worked it out because it was a lot. Of, it was a little confusion, but God worked that thing out. <laughs> I'm glad to have you with myself and brother Richard on time for an awakening. Yes, thank you for having me. I appreciate it, Richard. You know, uh, now let me let me be. I'm one of those kind of people, and I know our time is limited. Which I'm gonna put it up front um, because the time is limited. I would, um, and if Elliot, you know, if we are, you know, agree, if you agree, that I would like um, Sister Tamara to be able to come back because this is not a subject that we can, you know, in relationship to the political education, right? As you go through this candidacy um, for the U.S. Senate, um, we definitely need. It's a lot of layers that we need to become informed and we'd like our um, listening audience to become informed about. But let, let me, let me start off. Now you're running for the U S Senate. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. The U S Senate. But let me say this, cause I always say this when people say, well, you're running for the U S Senate in Georgia, but a U.S. Senator votes for a policy that affects everyone in these United States. So I always say 
I'm not just going to be a U.S. senator in Georgia. I will be your U.S. senator, too, because we have to remember that we have to hold these people accountable. That one vote in Congress in the U.S. Senate is for you. So I will be your U.S. senator as well. And, 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 and I appreciate that, and that's that's an important um, context to operate out. And I, and also, and I want to make sure you know point of clarity. Um, you're also um, using, and I don't want to know if I should use the term using, but you are um, reparation seems to be also a, uh, a focal point in your candidacy for the senator, senate, you know that senate position. Um, would that be correct? This. Um, oh, ab- absolutely. I have centered reparations. Um, I, without it, honestly, I just I, I would mirror other Democrats in Congress. You know, I do have I do run as a Democrat, but I've coined myself an independent Democrat. Um, I don't necessarily toe the party line. I am intentional about reaching across the aisle because nothing happens without um, bipartisan support in this country. So I, I've coined myself an independent Democrat, and, and a, yes, I have centered reparations. And, and, that's, and that's interesting. From, uh, you know, I'm right now, I'm, I'm a, a pseudo, uh, uh, have a pseudo interest in party formation as it relates to, um, you know, African-Americans, and I usually say American-Africans, you know, but, and, and I'm, I take us back to 1830, where the Liberty Party was using anti-slavery as the centerpiece and, and as a party and creating a party formation. Um, so here, as I hear you mention as a, a independent Democrat um, using reparations, it's um, unique um, in this political process um, from, for uh, elected uh, people who are running for these um, positions. Um, so let me ask you this. How, um, as you run, is this your first candidacy um, in running? Um, I mean, running for the U- U- uh, U.S. Senate, is this the first time you've run? Actually, this is actually my second run for the U.S. Senate. But let me go back a step. This is not my first run for office, not my second, not my third, not my fourth. This is actually my fifth consecutive run for office. I ran for the Georgia State Senate in 2014. Um, 2014, 16, and 18. So the story there is um, I came out of the gate. God put it in my spirit, and, and that's a, another part of the story, but I'm going to start where, where you asked me to start. But in 2014, I came out of the gate, no-name candidate, and ran against a staunch Republican here in the Georgia – that was here in the Georgia legislature. He was um, he was a tyrant, literally, and Republicans couldn't get more than 20-some-odd percent against him. I mean, he literally – owned the legislature here. He was, you know, he was a force to be reckoned with. He had been in that, he had been in that district for many years as, as their legislator in the state Senate. So I came out and got 37% against this man. I came back again. God put it in my spirit. You're going to run one more time. 2016 came back, got 43.8%. All right, God put it in my spirit. You're going to run one more time. So the third race, all I needed was 7% more, and that was my slogan, 7% more. And I knew, everybody knew I was out. Well, the, the race was already won. It was going to be won, right? The district, I had worked that district. It was my third election cycle. The race was going to be won. And that's when I saw the underhand of the Democratic Party. My own party primaried me and ran a white woman against me in 2018 because she was, quote, unquote, more electable 
and she looked like the district. Now, mind you, she had to have voted for me twice herself, but they felt like she was more electable. Now, I've been black all my life. I suddenly became the black candidate in the district. It became a race race. So she beat me in the primary and went on to hold on to Stacey Abrams' coattail in 2018. If y'all remember, Stacey ran for governor. Hold on to Stacey's coattail. Democrats came out in droves. And she was elected, voted in, um, because we vote, we, we, we just vote party line as a people. We don't know who these candidates are. We just vote straight Democrats. So that's what happened. So she now sits in the Georgia legislature off of my work for three election cycles. But God had to cool me off, and I was mad, and rightfully so. I spent years. It, it cost me everything. I mean, I I'm, I'm, got, got children. I got, had a husband at the time. It cost, it cost me everything. And God had to cool me off. So I, I went back to school and I got accepted to law school. So I, um, I now hold a Juris Master's degree. I don't have a JD. A JD is for when you practice law. I have no intent on arguing court cases and I didn't want to practice, but a Juris Master's degree gave me an overview of different areas of the law. My undergrad is in computer information systems, my bachelor's. But 2018, um, the 2020, I was back in school, but 2020 to bring you up to speed, that was my first race in the U.S. for the U.S. Senate. That was a special election here in Georgia, and that was because Johnny Isaacson, our U.S. Senator, who just recently passed, um, God bless his soul, he just recently passed, and he was ill at the time. And the governor had to um, appoint someone, and he appointed Kelly Leffler. Kelly Leffler... Um, had to run again, and that became the special election in November of 2020. And I was in that race. It was in Georgia when it's a special election. It's a free for all. So there were 21 candidates in that race: Democrats, Republican, Independents, Green Party, everybody, Libertarian, everything you could think of was in that race. 21 candidates. We came in sixth place out of the 21 candidates. Uh, the Senator Reverend Raphael Warnock was the front runner. Kelly Leffler came in under him. Then it was Doug Collins, who used to be a congressman here in Georgia. And fourth place was Deborah Jackson. She was a mayor here in Georgia. Fifth place was uh, Joe Lieberman's son, Matt Lieberman, whose father, uh, Joe Lieberman, was a, was a senator out of Connecticut. So his daddy was, he had some serious ties politically. So he was fifth place. <clears throat> and then there was us, sixth place in the race to the United States Senate, running, talking black, the black people running were on a reparations agenda. So I call us the first place grassroots candidate in that race in 2020. But that was, again, a special election. And it was only to conclude the final two years of um, Johnny Isaacson's term. Uh, so that race is it has to be run again. That's why I'm running again right here in 2022. And then it becomes a six-year seat. Um, but the Senator Reverend Raphael Warnock is who I am running against. You know, um, Elliot, um, it was, uh, and, and when I heard um, Sister Damara um, raise these two points, and, I, and, I, and, and Elliot, um, the other thing I see that um, is very, um, very good in relationship to, as you heard her say, grassroots, um, grassroots campaign, campaigning and, and grassroots um, participation is that one, utilizing the technology of clubhouse as a means of organizing and you can correct me if i'm wrong on that sister tomorrow and then um two having reparation as centered but the thing that struck me Ellie, is that when i heard her the point of 
the party, the Democratic Party, and she just gave us that historical, yeah, the Democratic Party not supporting her and then allowing a uh, another person to be able to benefit on. And I'm, and I'm wondering, you know, whether that, uh, Sister Tamara, is because of having a grassroots um, development, political development, and having reparation as the center of your um, campaign um, direct, directive is because reparation is the center is the reason why the Democrat, the Georgia Democratic Party um, didn't support you. No, let me, let's go back. So in 2014, 16, and 18, that was the Georgia State Senate. And I've always talked black to black people. I, I was always talking about race, racism, race relations. I live in a, this district, State Senate District 40, those three races, this district is was quote unquote predominantly black, excuse me, predominantly white mm-hmm. and quote unquote predominantly affluent. So it was a white district and that was trending more and more minority. And as I was running, I was picking up those votes and, and garnering more and more support. So what they did not like in those three races that I ran, those first three, was the fact that I was talking about race, racism, and race relations. I wasn't specifically talking about reparations then. I didn't start talking about reparations. I became blacker than black in 2020, and that's when I started talking about reparations. I took it to the whole to a whole nother level. Okay, y'all didn't want to elect me talking about race racism and race relations to the Georgia State Senate, God got a greater plan. We're going to talk about reparations and we go going to the U.S. Senate this time. So I became blacker than black in 2020. And that's, you know, the Democratic Party don't even want you to, you know, they, they want you to be what they want you to be. How dare I talk about anything to do with us? And I always have. So I don't toe the line. That's why, again, I'm calling myself an independent Democrat. I'm not playing with them. You know, I don't call out Republicans and don't call out Democrats. It's right or it's wrong. There's no gray area. I don't care who, what side of the, the aisle you're on. Either it's right or it's wrong. And I don't, I just don't do that. And that is honestly, for me, as a candidate, it's, it's personal. <laughs> it's, it's like they don't like me. How, who, who do I think I am? And why, and why am I talking about this kind of stuff? It's a, okay. go, go ahead, Richard. No, Okay. Uh, Sister Tamara, the um, you mentioned in the beginning of your conversation about uh, our people uh, in Georgia just voting Democratic. Um, And I I don't want to mischaracterize, I think that you did say that. Oh, yeah, we vote straight Democrat. Okay. Let me tell you a funny story real quick before you go there. Go ahead. When I was, as I was campaigning, and, and specifically like in South Georgia, they would say to me before I could, when I tell them that I, I was a candidate, I'm running the first question that I would get. And let me tell you how my, I love, I'm from South Georgia. I'm a straight up country girl. And I, so I know my, our people, right. And they would say to me, you a Democrat, you a Democrat. And before they would even let me talk about who I am and why I'm running, I had to be a Democrat. Okay. Now using that premise, because whether you're in Georgia or Philadelphia or Pennsylvania, it's really no different. Uh, I'm going to take a phrase from my uh, brother Richard when he said that that our voting or our politics should reflect our interests. And it really doesn't. It reflects a party that sometimes uses uh, uh, black political interests to get elected. But the party really does not, and I'm talking about either party, 
Republicans, absolutely not. But the Democrats kind of use black people a lot of times to get to these elected offices. Now, this is something I just want to ask you as a candidate that's running for political office, which I think is very much needed, especially in the environment that we're in. We need people that's going to work in our interests in these uh, uh, legislative bodies. I was looking at a published report, and this was from 2015. I didn't see anything more current, but I know it has changed because the environment is changing all the time. But in 2015, nationally, there were 122 majority-minority districts spanning 26 different states. And it said that Georgia uh, had four of them, and that was at the time. I know it has changed because you mentioned about the demographics, even in your county or the counties that you were running uh, in at those times, changing. Uh, Four counties, when this was published, was majority, considered majority-minority. The 13th, the 2nd, the 4th, and the 5th. All of them have well over 50% black population. But we see that this redistricting is going on all through the South, especially. Because in my estimation, just observing what has been going on in this country and using an historical perspective, when they see that it's a potential for black candidates to come along with a political interest that supports the collective is dangerous to both parties. So they're going about now trying to redistrict these areas to water down any potential black support. Listen, they don't mind candidates getting in office like the two people that you're running against. They don't mind people like Warnock or Herschel Walker getting in office if they're black because they're going to operate in other folks' interests. But it might be different a candidate such as yourself getting into office or such as somebody that, that might have been one of your mentors, Cynthia McKinney. Those pe- people like you are dangerous getting into these political offices in this country. And I just want your perspective on this this uh, rash, so to speak, of going about all of these areas. And it has happened up here in Pennsylvania. We're not in the South. Of redistricting these areas where it's a lot of black support. Talk about it from that perspective. <clears throat> so... Let's not hate the player. What they say, don't hate the player, hate the game. So let's do this, black people. I want us to get beyond party politics, right? Okay. okay. If, they, if they're going to redistrict, we got to figure out how to play the game. Let's, figure, let's, let's play politics. This is a game, right? And both parties, what they say, two sides of the same damn coin. Okay. They're the same people. They're the same people. The higher up the food chain you go, Democrats and Republicans are the same people. We're clear. So let's start playing the game. We don't have to. We don't need to be beholden to any party. It's all about policy. Who can give us what we want? And that was what Ice Cube was saying before he was shot down. He was gonna go talk to whoever, however, and let's talk, let's have this conversation. Let's play the game. But we 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 we're so emotional, you know. And it's, it's really a, gen, a, a generation, you know, the older generation, the boomers. It's really them because they have a different lived experience. 
they grew up they they either grew up in the 60s or they you know they were part of the movement of the the civil rights movement so they have a different lived experience and a different uh you know a different attachment to the party something that my generation I was born in the early 70s my generation and younger we don't we're not we don't have that so it, that generation you know sadly you know we we're going to get past that generation we, th- those of us that are coming up now we're not beholden to the party. Let's play the game. So I, so I talked to the Republicans on Clubhouse, like um, the brother just said. I, I spent a lot of time on the app. And, I talk, and, I, and, I, and I'm very intentional about going into these Republican rooms because my slogan, when we get past this primary election against Raphael Warnock, and I pray it's Herschel Walker because we're going to have a great time with Herschel Walker. Because reparations, here's my slogan, reparations will make America great. Now, we're going to marry foundational black people, those of us who are descendants of chattel slavery. We're going we, we to get right there with these foundational white people because reparations will make America great. And I've been going into these conservative and Republican spaces having a conversation about reparations, giving them something to think about. And they trust me, we gonna play, if we play this game, this thing can absolutely happen. But we got to play the game and stop being so loyal to the to the to a party that's not loyal to us. <laughs> let me. I want to, Richard. Uh, let me okay. get it because our, our time is limited uh, from what you said with uh, with uh, Sister Tamara. Let me get a, a, at least a few callers in that want to speak with her. And while she's on, you can join this conversation by dialing two one five four nine zero ninety eight thirty two. You know the number. Let me go to uh, Newport News. Newport News. Can you hear me? Let me put them back on hold. Let's go to 404. 404? Hey, hey, peace and and Elliot. And uh, my sister, I'm down here right in Georgia, right? And I agree with you wholeheartedly. I, I'm, I'm one of them boomers you talk about, but I'm one of them smart asses because I think. But look here. All right, before I get to the Senate race, I'm going to look at this gubernatorial thing. I talked to Elliot and him in, on another show. And I hope you can get on WAOK, talk to Rashad and the rest of them other hosts on AOK. But I'll look at him. You see, when the, this gubernatorial thing, my emphasis is to have a black-on-black uh, uh, general, i.e., we know that Stacey Abrams running unopposed, correct? So on the Republican side, one of my emphasis is, is, you know Governor Kemp and Purdue going to cancel each other out. So if 50% of black people, that's registered voters, vote Republican and vote Vernon Jones in, okay, on the Republican side, okay, that'll shock the world because then you have in the finals, in the general, uh, Stacey Abrams against Vernon Jones. What do you think about that before I go to the city? <laughs> we, huh? So y'all got to know Georgia politics, and, and brother, I, I thank you for calling in because see that y'all probably don't know gov- Georgia politics like we know gov- Georgia politics. That would be a race. That would be a serious race. But he, but but here is the thing. Uh, I don't know, I, you know. But that would be uh, just the thought of that because I hadn't thought about it to yeah. the extent that you just said it. But just the thought mm-hmm. of that, uh, yeah, that would be interesting. The the problem is. I don't know how many black people are willing to go over and pull a Republican uh, ballot to vote for him to do it. Cause I think he has, he has rubbed some black folks the wrong way. So I don't know if he can get black people to come 
not vote in the because there's other races like the secretary of mm-hmm. state like the lieutenant governor that we we can't ignore just to right. just to have one one race we win so i don't know how many people we can get to do that and I, honestly my race is on the democratic ticket so i'm not telling nobody to go run go pull no republican ticket so so i i, I but yeah. the thought though the thought though of mm-hmm. what you just said the thought of it is Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's hysteric. Like I, I, I just, I, I'm a, I laugh. <laughs> yeah, that would be great to see black on black, man. On the government, black on black. That would, that would shock the world, man. Well, these rednecks, they had no choice but to vote for somebody that looked like us. Okay, <laughs> not in the. Oh, that'll be. I, hey, I'm holding my nose and vote Republican on this thing right here, just for the hell of it, because I like to mix this up. I like to mix it up because I take what the enemy give me and use it to my advantage. See, that's all yeah. I want. Well, look, well, look at him. Uh, 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 on his senatorial thing, I, 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 I'm glad you run against Warnock because he's he's a devil, man. I talked to Warnock in 2010 when they killed uh, uh, Troy Davis, and I told Warnock we need to have a damn boycott against Georgia. He looked at me like I was speaking uh, a foreign language, but look at him. <laughs> Warnock is a joke, man. He's a damn joke. He he got people in front of that church, Dr. King Church, homeless people camping out in the cold at night. You ride by there now, you will see him out there, man, in front of that church. But uh, Warnock a joke. So, therefore, there's a brother on the uh, Republican side named, I think his name Kevin King. He's not related, related to the King family. But uh, he want he to run against Herschel on the Republican side. So that'll knock Herschel out, hopefully. So if we, if we can get you to, uh, uh, to go against Kevin King, we got him because I hate Warnock. Warnock is a joke, man. And, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, you know, yeah, man, I, uh, that Kevin King, good dude. I hope you get on AOK. Talk to Rashad and uh, all them rest of them hosts on WAOK. And so uh, I'm gonna bump you up now. What's your name is again? Now? What's your it's name? Tamara. Your name? It's Tamara Johnson Sheely. Please look me up, sir. Tamara for Georgia, all spelled out. Yeah, yeah. Cause see, they did you the same when they did Cynthia McKinney. I'd have been mad as hell with the Dem- Democrats, man. If I yep. was you, I'd have went the Republican side just for the hell of it. And, and get our people to get out of this damn Democratic vote, man. That's why I'm, yeah, I'm that, trying to get. I mean, I was on AOK trying to get 50 percent of us that's black. Just vote Republican. Hold your damn nose, vote Republican. But uh, yeah, yeah. All my wishes, best wishes, come to you. Yeah. We gonna shake up the world, man. Huh? And you can yes. And getting her to, on that radio program. Yes, please. No, let me tell yeah. you, sir, you're going to have to you're going to have to help me push that because, you know, a lot of them are beholden to the Democratic Party. So they're not. Oh, oh yes. Sick. Right. Yeah. You're going to have to you're going to yeah. have to help me get on that station. Especially on Sunday, uh, my man named Robert uh, uh, Patello, he like an independent. So if you get on the Sunday show from one to uh, four, I think, Patello good. And uh, it's time to shake this thing up, man. I'm tired of them Democrats and Republicans. So we got to play both hands to get what we want. That's what the rich people do, man. Yep. You bet on yep. every damn horse, so your horse gonna win, man. You play both sides of the damn chessboard, man. It's you do. simple. I don't want, I don't want to start cussing, <laughs> but anyway, Ellie, I'm gonna be quiet, man, and I, I, I'm, I'm gonna beat you up, my sister. All right. Thank you, Peace brother. Thank you. you. Yeah, love you too. All Thank right. you. <laughs> yeah. Let's go to uh, let's go back to Newport News. They might be there. Newport News. Newport News. Newport News. He's having the thing. Yeah, having, yeah okay. Mike. Um, yeah, he, he said he wants the phone in. Um, can just, go ahead, go ahead, Richard. Um, well, I just wanted to um, to follow up in relationship to 
um, well, how I'm, I'm into um, understanding the mechanics of our race. And you, and you said, you know, um, I, I would, I take it that you've been developing. And when I say steam, meaning um, more and more black folks that are participating in it. And I, and I think um, um, the caller just came back in. So I, I'll, I'll hold off my question. So because of time, let me see if he can be able to get in and, and racist. No, go ahead, because he's not. He's not on. Well, and and so what I'm what I'm a, what I'm asking, um, how how is your campaign strategy working? And and you mentioned the age the age in relationship to the demographics. Are people are is it a, a younger demographics that is actually acknowledging the momentum that you're developing um, in Georgia around in your races, or is it a mix? trying to get a sense of yeah yeah so yeah so i can tell you i do now that i've run so many times you know i never had the money you know to to buy ad radio and television and do all the big big dollar campaigning but i we built it this has totally been these five i, I realized I, I was laying in bed this morning i was like i have been running for eight years straight from 2014 until well, seven years now. Is it 2022, 2021? Yeah, yeah. We're going into eight years. <laughs> I mean, so we built this. We built it. So the, the momentum is, is behind me. But honestly, it's the message. It's not even me, the candidate, because without reparations, I am nothing and nobody politically. I mean, what would make me different from any other Democrat if I didn't have reparations, if I didn't have this? So the message is where I get most excited because it's like the message precedes me. I'm just coming, bringing up the rear. The message is bigger than me. I mean, we've had HR 40 in Congress since 1989. So we, and the, and the reparations movement goes back to like what Cali house in the 1800s. So we, there's this history, this rich history behind this reparations movement that this ain't, this is I'm I'm being obedient. This is literally a calling on my life. I've, I come from the beauty and barber industry. I did uh, services for 18 years. I owned a salon for 10, and that was my life. And I enjoyed what I did. But this is a calling. Literally, I am walking in my in a, in my purpose, and and this is a calling. I didn't I didn't grow up in a political family. I was apolitical for, you know, most of my life. I didn't get involved in politics until I started watching my industry politically, the beauty and barber industry. That is when I went to Washington in 2012 and 2013. I went to D.C. and I advocated for tax policy that affects the beauty and barber industry. And I'm going to tell you, that's when I got bitten by whatever bug that is. I felt like when I was there, I'm like, I felt like I belonged there. It was such an eerie kind of feeling like, what is this? Like, I felt like I belonged there. And my first year in 2012 and why I was invited back in 2013 is because that first year I was able, of the group of us that was invited to D.C., I was the only one that was able to get a co-sponsor for federal, for that federal legislation. So it was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know I know what I'm doing. And it has, it has led me again to run in 2014, and we are here now. And, you know, this is this is our race and this is our time and I'm excited and reparations is going to happen. Look at AB 3121 over in California. Georgia has a bill HB 541 that's a study to address the impact of slavery on those of us who are descendants of, of chattel slavery in this country. Oregon has introduced, New York has introduced 
legislation. There's municipalities like Evanston, Illinois. There is, you know, Asheville, North Carolina. You know, there's these, you know, these these municipalities that's even, you know, talking about reparations. White people are talking, you know, they, we, they're fighting over CRT, the critical race theory, because they know this history is real and this is true. And they don't, they scared of the truth. I was watching television the other night and on, on on a television broadcast and they were talking about homeschooling and these these white people were like well we pulled our kids out of school because they're not teaching american history anymore yeah they're not teaching your history we, they, the truth is starting to reveal itself so again reparations is going to happen like it is going to happen we're gonna we're gonna see this happen and my candidacy speaks to it and that again is what differentiates me from you know any other candidate running in, in on the congressional well into the u.s senate raphael warnock has no black agenda raphael warnock has nothing specific to those of us who are descendants of chattel slavery he doesn't even when we were running in 2020 i mean he said he supported the study and then he would pivot he didn't want to talk about it no more after that like he didn't want to have that conversation i'm go there we can talk black all day Let's uh, let's go back and try it one more time. Let's go to uh, Newport News. Newport News, are you there? Are you there? Yeah, I'm on the phone this time, Brother Elliot. Can you uh, hear me? Yes, I can hear you now. Yeah, what's up, Sister Tamara? Hey, uh, I, I just I just left the clubhouse room with you and had no idea you'd be the guest over here. But I hate to correct somebody about their history, but I distinctly remember meeting you in downtown Louisville October the 4th of 2019 talking reparations. So you're going to have to redo that thing about doing it in 2020 because I have met you. This is, this is uh Monty OG. Hey, yes. You know what? Yeah. So that's when I was introduced. I was introduced to yes. the reparations movement in 2019. And right. yes, I came to I Louisville. Yes. Yes, and, and I was I, I was I, contemplating running then, like, okay, y'all, we about to run yeah. for the U.S. Senate. Yes. As a matter of fact, that's downtown Louisville is when you first said that to us publicly, and it was a group of about 25 of us in the, in the uh, alcove at the, at the place. But I wanted to say this, too. I uh, You also caused me to get my hair chopped off because when you did run, I was the one saying, why aren't we backing her? Because she's going all to the rural back roads, and you can get a reparations message out to people that don't have the internet and that was another straw that broke the camel's back with me in the movement that we met in so you know i wish you success on your travels i don't want to take up a lot of time because i know it's limited but i wanted to get that straight i i can remember the first time i heard you speak of it publicly i was there (laughs) matter of fact we got a few pictures uh in the memories on facebook from it so stay strong and keep doing what you're doing Yes, brother. I appreciate it. You know what? I, I pay homage to where we, you know, we came through that, through the movement and through all of that. And guess what? We're still here. We're still oh, yeah. here. And we can, we, and well, this, 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 this is still in front of us. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Be strong. Stay good. Stay strong. <laughs> Thank you. All right. And uh, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that um, brother, brother Otis, you know, is, um, you know, for the, for the time for awakening audiences, even, once again, validating that, uh, I like, and I like this, the black be black, right, um, um, aspect of a candidate, because I wish, uh, I, I, they had told me a long time ago, never wish, right? I, I would like us to actually have more candidates that can be able to, as Elliot said, um, really run on something 
that is of our interest and in our interest. Um, like, like, you know, reparations is like, um, to me, the new civil rights um, movement, right? As far as how it, how it relates to us. Um, but I'm also interested in, in Brother Ode brought this up, and I, and I, you know, and again, this is the reason why we have to bring you back and I understand, you know, about your time. But I'm also interested in the, you know, just how many people, because when we don't have a lot of money to do a lot of advertising, we have to rely on us to be able to say, this is the candidate that I'm willing to be able to give that, they call it what, social capital, being able to work for in order to make this happen, um, be able to, to say that we're going to provide, we don't necessarily have to get paid and whatever. The other thing that Otis just said, as far as going into the rural, these rural counties, um, bringing this uh, reparation message, how has that worked? Um, how, you know, how, is that working? I mean, is that resonating with people um, as you move, you know, with the limited resources, not being able to have a, 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 a what's that, a, a media campaign, but actually going in in that direct kind of um, campaigning? Are, are Black people resonating with re- reparations? Um, they are. It's like a spark. And I, when, when I've, I've had a few people that didn't know what it was, but, you know, for the, the ones that, that kind of know, when I start talking about it and they can feel the passion and, and know that it's not just me, like we, this is, you know, Otis has been around this movement and we, we have activists all over the country. Reparations is on fire. It's on fire and the media doesn't want to talk about it. So we have to do it. Like we have to be our own voices right now. And yeah, so when I go into these rural areas and I, and I talk about it the way I talk about it, you could see the little twinkle in their eyes and the spark. Yeah, yeah, they want it. They realize and they see that they keep falling. Like we're getting nothing out of this administration. It was clear, you know, we're, everybody, the Asian community got theirs off the top. The Latino <laughs> community, they, they getting theirs right now. And black people, they still talking about all we need is voting rights. Uh, no, cut the check. Cut the check. That's what we need. And they, and they see everybody else getting their checks cut. And we, so, yeah, so to answer your question, when I travel into these rural spaces and I have this conversation, people get excited. And that is how we came in sixth place. We got a hundred over a hundred thousand votes, like a hundred and six thousand votes, with no damn money. <laughs> Talking black to black people, and you had to find me on that ballot. Like there were twenty-one candidates, so those weren't just random votes. They could have voted for twenty other people. So those those votes that we got were very intentional. So I'm encouraged by 2022 because we just got to keep mobilizing. And here's where those of you who are not here in Georgia, you know somebody in Atlanta. Everybody knows somebody in Atlanta. Everybody knows somebody in Georgia. We need the, we need, I need people from outside of the state to just push, 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 spread the word. Tell somebody, donate what you can. We got five months. The the election is May 24th, five months. We got to beat Warnock. And Warnock has such a, such a stronghold because, see, this is how the Democratic Party used him, pastor, like the, the caller just said, in front of his church. It's a homeless, it's a vacant lot across the street from that church. Homeless people live there in tents. Homeless people live there. <laughs> Directly across the street. The first thing the good pastor should have done is got to Washington, if nothing else, declared homelessness as a public health crisis. They live outside your church. 
He didn't even do that. So he can't speak to that. He can't speak to black folk. He was a pawn. He was bought and sold before he got there. He owe it back. So he, he's quiet as a church mouse in Congress. You don't know what he's doing. I know what he's doing because I follow his policy. But the average person don't know what he's doing. So he's going to show up because he got millions of dollars. He's going to show up, and he, what he's going to do is buy up media and, and, and become something that he hasn't been since he got there. Well, whoever that is, he's going he gonna to buy up media and have this persona. You know, but we got to go ahead. Go ahead. We, we got to continue to talk about reparations because he does not have a plan for reparations. He, he, and he can't. He can't support it. He, he can't. So we got to continue to fight for what we specifically want, and that is repair and redress of our community. You know, you mentioned, Sister, a couple of times when you were just speaking that he's doing nothing there. You said you've been following it. And, and uh, but you know the average one of our people don't see what he's doing that he's doing nothing. Now we try to use this platform to let our folks know that a lot of these people that they elect to represent them are doing nothing. But I just want to kind of let it sink in what you just stated to the listeners of Time Born Awakening about this man being there and not doing anything. Now about a month ago they just stated. Uh, in record time, how much money that went into his coffers that he raised, Warnock and I think Walker, they raised record amounts of money. So who's giving these people that are doing nothing <laughs> records amounts of money? And if they're doing nothing for us, why are they getting record amounts of money? You know, we got, our people got to start using critical thinking when it comes to politics, this politics in this country, period. This man is garnering record amounts of money towards his campaign coffers. But according to the sister who's there and working against him, he's not doing anything for the masses of our people. And according to you and one of our callers, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, um, that is a homeless encampment right across the street from the church. But he's quick always to talk about Dr. King. He's mentioned in Dr. King in his statements, in his public statements, he's always mentioned about Dr. King. I hate to use that term, Dr. King will turn over in his grave if he knew what was going on outside of his church, but he would. So I, I just want to make mention of that because this man is garnering record amounts of money for somebody that's not doing nothing for the masses of black folks. Yeah. My thing is if with that homeless camp, I mean, that should have been like you. That is your you. You see that every day. Like that is your every day. And my thing is, it, y'all should have bought that lot, built a, a center. Y'all should have, but y'all let these people sleep in tents across the street from the church. That's a, we could we just that alone is you know just disheartening, pastor. So he's vulnerable. We know it, and I don't care how much money he spends raises and spins we got a rock and a slingshot and this is our race to win and i just want to reemphasize the the point that you made as far as support for those of us who are not in georgia how we can support and for those who are in georgia what they can do in order to support your candidacy and as you said it's not about you but it's about that the repair but therefore it's about us and so whether we tell family and friends who are in Georgia, whether we provide 
um, material resources to support your candidacy, um, even from where we are, these are mechanisms that we show other, even young people, because Elliot, you said all the time, and, and Sister Tamara um, demonstrated that we don't need a lot of money. We just need, as you say, Sister Tamara, someone with the will, the spirit of it, and the, of the, the ability to be able to recognize how to organize in it and have the right message that is connected to our interests, that we can be able to create an organizational infrastructure, not just for one candidate, but for the ability to create power within a state. Um, I think it's important for us to be clear that, it, as you say, politics is a game. And the game is about how well you organize in order to accomplish your end. And, that, and, and you can't organize without people. So that requires us being supportive in any way we can. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, you nailed it. You nailed it. <laughs> let's go. Uh, before you uh, leave us, uh, Sister Man, let's go. Uh, uh, any final words, uh, uh, Newport, Brother Otis? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes. Hey, look, Sister Tamara, you know how I am because you've been, you've been around me for a long time. Look, I, I, I put it I in the chat, but are. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. Did, you. did you read the chat? Uh, you're not on your laptop. Let me tell you, I'm going to try to help you get some some good airtime because I'm going to try to suggest to Roland Martin that he come down and interview you in front of that homeless encampment, and then let's see if he focuses in on what's across the street from there. Now, wait a minute, Brother yeah, Otis. I, do you really think that he would, uh, Roland Martin would do something like that? Wait no. <laughs> no. Thank, thank you, sister. Watch this. I don't think he'll follow through, Brother Elliot, but Sister Tamara know what I'm going to do. I'll have a Twitter string with him in there because he done already blocked me and hashtag him so that people will read it. And then that, what I say is they can pretend they don't know, but if you notice, they've been ignoring a lot of stuff you write for the last four or five years. Once it's out there, I know they got to deal with it, just like uh, my man Whip Cryburn, when we kept trying to go after him about four years ago. He got so bad because he went, went up to uh, the, the – uh, interview at, in the, in his home state, and he told the carrier that uh, he didn't think it'd be any such, such thing as pure reparations. I dogged him for about two months because I told him, look, I'm 60-some years old. I've never heard somebody use the phrase pure reparations. Is that what NASA calls it? We can't get what we deserve. We can only get home loans. So I'm that Negro. I don't care if he give it to her or not. I'm going to put it on Twitter and let people know he, he ain't what he paid to be, Black Star Media. I'll leave it there. Stay strong. I'm going to do what I can in my role. <laughs> and, and that's, the, again, you know, I won't. Um, sorry. I'm sorry. Say that, say that again, Richard. I'm sorry. I said, I, you know, with um, Brother Otis Ray's, we emphasize that we cannot be able to play the game, as, as you say, Sister Tamara, without us being able to provide our support from the, in our, the lane that we're in. We don't have to be with you. We just have to support you because without that, then we're just talking about it. And then at the same time with redistricting demonstration right here in this discussion, the money that's coming in from other places to people who are not doing nothing in our interest. This is winning the game because we're not actually participating in the game. And Sister Mar, I really appreciate that you're um, carrying that banner um, in relationship to a interest 
that is in our, our interest. And then we still will be watching um, once you win, you know, whether um, this is just a campaign slogan or not. I'm just like, I'm just putting it out there now. So, so you know, uh, because we already see what these others are doing. And, but we, I definitely appreciate what you're doing. Yeah. Sister. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to be on this radio broadcast. It has totally been a pleasure. And I just ask that, yeah, go to the website. It's Tamara, T-A-M-A-R-A, for F-O-R, Georgia spelled out. So Tamara, for Georgia. Dot com. Go to the website. Donate, please. Do what you can. No dollar amount is too small. Volunteer. We need all the help we can get. You can phone bank from wherever you are in this country. Just help. We have five months, and we got to get past Warnock. Again, he's a, he, he's a pastor, and this is still the Bible Belt. We have a lot of, you know, older people that see him in such a way that they, you know, he's only been there for a year. We don't have a year. Okay. You know, we don't have no time to be wasting. So <laughs> we got to make sure that we have enough people that you know, can get us over the over the finish line in this primary election. So, Sister Mara, I, I know the time is of the essence. G- give me a couple of minutes. I want to ask you just a couple of brief questions. Okay. Uh, okay. We see this uh, reverse migration, so to speak, going on, where a lot of black folks, especially in the northern areas, being forced out of these cities because of gentrification and moving back to the south. And Georgia is one of the states where they're going. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about the economic uh economics of our people in georgia now we already know that around the atlanta area and some of the surrounding counties i don't, I don't know the, i'm not from georgia so i don't know the surrounding counties but i'll just say the atlanta metro area that blacks seem to have a, a percentage of businesses i don't say that it's commensurate with their population but they have a percentage of businesses that's greater than some of these other areas around the country. But outside of that Atlanta area, how is blacks faring business-wise? You know what? I'm, I, when I think about, you know, this reverse migration, I get excited. Okay. Because many of us, like my family, we never left the South. Like I was born and raised in Georgia, born and raised, never left the South. And when I tell you, you know, Metro Atlanta is, Pretty, pretty densely populated. But when you start to get outside of the metro Atlanta area, I mean, we got land. There's so much opportunity here. So so when I think about people coming from the north and they want to gentrify those cities, let them have that property. <laughs> Come on back home. Come on down here and get you a nice piece of land. You could put you a nice garden, a nice, you can farm, you can, you can build, we can build communities. We can build, we can do what we did when we came out of slavery. We built communities. We built our own communities. We can, y'all can come back home and come on back to the South and we could, we can rebuild Black Wall Street. We can have our own Mecca right down here in the South. And we got the land to do it. Beautiful greenery, fresh air. You know, get on out of those cities and come on back home to the South. I, I get excited when I hear this reverse migration thing is happening. Come on home, y'all. We here. <laughs> we had, uh, the sisters that uh, are putting together that community and Richard, I can't remember where where it is. I know it's in Georgia mm-hmm. that purchased those hundred <laughs> acres. I, I don't know whether you're familiar with them. I, in fact, you probably uh, are. Freedom, Freedom, Georgia. Yes, yes, they were on yeah. the program. I guess about eight months ago, telling us, uh, you know, the, what they've done and, and things of that nature. So, uh, listen, I can hear I hear what you're saying. Uh, a lot of you our, can feel it too, can't you? You can you can imagine that. Like, come on, you can come home and you can. 
you can you can rebuild and you can you know just live a different life a, a, a slower pace a healthier life you know it's just it's so much opportunity with coming on back to the south and well I just, I just i just wanted to emphasize and i have to do this and i apologize because as and you gave a good example of what happened after reconstruction um of, of us building communities this time as we do come and and, and elliot she talking about me, me. I ain't never. Oh, I barely go in my yard. She's talking about going there, and do, but I'll, I'll, I'll grow. Well, you you heard Wes, the first <laughs> our first caller. He's told you, Richard, come on back now. <laughs> Weston <laughs> told you. He did tell you about three or four times. <laughs> but the thing is that as we build these institutions, also have to. But this game is about being able not just to be able to do it, but to protect it. Because it ain't like these guys using gentrification, using money, putting money that they're just going to be sitting sitting on the sideline while we come and develop um, these um, supporting sister Tamara for the U.S. Senate, or uh, um, which is important um, for to have, and and also um, building communities that is productive and, and in our own best interest. We have to not just build it; we also have to put in place the mechanisms to protect it. <laughs> Thank you, Sister Tamara. Uh, you know, wait a minute. Let, let me squeeze one more in here. Let's go to 505. 505, question or comment for our guest? Uh, no, I'm just listening, my man. That's very good. I'm just listening. Okay, Thank you. I'll put you back on hold. Sister Tamara, uh, we want to have you back on before May. Yes, sir, please do. <laughs> and, you know, to kind of see how things is going. And, uh, you know, being that this was a radio broadcast, if uh, – if your opponents want to get equal time, which is Warnock or, or Herschel Walker, they're more than welcome to send us an email, and we'll give them equal time on this program. But they got to be ready when they come to the program. I don't want to hear that weak political talk. I want to hear some real talk. And, you know, it's kind of funny. I, I want to say this to you, Sister Tamara. Um, up here in Philadelphia, I'm in the barber business. I'm in the field that you were in. And uh, a shop owner up here in Philadelphia. And Walker, when he was with the Philadelphia team up here, the Eagles, I think he spent two, three years here. He was a customer at the shop, my shop. And you know how it is in a barber or a beauty salon. You know how it is. The conversations that go on, we talk about everything. You still there, Sister DeMar? I think we lost it, Richard. Sister Mara? No, you didn't. I'm still here. Oh, okay. I'm listening to you because I'm going to chime in on this beauty barber industry. Go ahead. Well, you know how it is. We talk about everything there. It's, 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 you know, it's, it's almost like a people coming in talking to their psychiatrists or psychologists. It's all types of conversations there. Herschel Walker would come in to get his hair cut, and he wouldn't say two words nothing the whole time he was there he didn't conversate and the people knew who he was in fact it was you know that that shop i was was at at the time had a lot of so-called celebrities that was coming in there but he didn't have any conversation with anybody he wouldn't say two words so i I, it just struck me kind of funny when i see he was running for political office i'm saying like who's speaking for him because he don't say nothing but I'm just, I'm just, I just threw that out there because, because it was real odd to me when I seen him running for political office. Well, I met Herschel. So let me tell you, 
And, and let me tell you, two days later, my Facebook page got shut down. I still don't have access to it. <laughs> so let me tell you what happened. <laughs> so I went. I was invited to a Republican event. See, I tell you, I play with the Republicans. I go. On, I, I will. I go on both. Use you know. <clears throat> I navigate both sides of the aisle. So I was invited to a Republican event, and I went. He was there. So I was like, okay, it's my opportunity to, to introduce myself. So he was coming out the door, shaking everybody's hand, coming out the door. So when he got to me, and I shook his hand with my right hand, I said, and I looked at him, and I said, I will see you on the other side. And he stared at me and looked at me, and I took my left hand and handed him my card that said I was running for the U.S. Senate. And he looked at the card, and he looked back up at me, and I said, I will see you on the other side. And he didn't say a word, but in that moment, I had someone with me that took a picture. And there's, there was one of his hands, uh, I'm assuming some, somebody on his staff, a white girl, and she heard me. And she just, like, grasped her chest, like, <gasps> So this picture of me and him shaking hands and this white woman in the back going, <gasps> And then this black dude that was standing behind her looking, looking like, scared. <laughs> mm. So I don't see Herschel on the other side. I hope it's him. Because Herschel, if you haven't heard, you, you should play it on your broadcast. He does not support reparations. So it's oh, on mm-hmm. YouTube. He testified in Congress about it's a six minute video and he testified and, and he says all the reasons why he does not support reparations. I look forward to this race being between he and I. Because <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we will see him on the other side. <laughs> we'll look forward to have you back on the program. I look forward to coming back. This was fun. <laughs> Thank you so much. Talk to you soon, sister. Thank you, and, brother. And, I have a great. And if you get an opportunity, send um, any links, any uh, go fund and go fund anything that you want. Forward it over to uh, to brother Richard, and I'll make sure that it goes on to our media pages. It's Tamara for Georgia. Everything is on the website. So send everybody to the website, Tamara, T-A-M-A-R-A, 4-F-O-R, and then georgiaspelledout.com. All right. Thank you, sister. Talk to you soon. Thank you, sir. Have a great night. Thank you for the the interview. All right. We're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we'll transition into open forum. Uh, You can get involved in the conversation always by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. 32 time for an awakening. We'll be right back. Listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com.
All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years. Located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services. Representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies. Offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Abibitumi.com, abibitumi.tv, abibitumitv.com, abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger, run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I, Black Power, A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global Kometsu black family, to join your interconnected Kometsu black communities. Escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumitv.com, Abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. In this crooked game of power politics here in America, the Negro, namely the race problem, integration, civil rights issue, are all nothing but tools used by the whites who call themselves liberals against another group of whites who call themselves conservatives, either to get into power or to retain power. Among whites here in America, The political teams are no longer divided into Democrats and Republicans. The whites who are now struggling for control of the American political throne are divided into liberal and conservative camps. The white liberals from both parties cross party lines to work together toward the same goal. And white conservatives from both parties do likewise. The white liberal differs from the white conservative only in one way. The liberal is more deceitful, more hypocritical than the conservative. Both want power, but the white liberal is the one who has perfected the art of posing as the Negro's friend and benefactor. And by winning the friendship and support of the Negro, the white liberal is able to use the Negro as a pawn or a weapon in this political football game that is constantly raging between the white liberals and the white conservatives. The American Negro is nothing but a political football. Since the 60s, you will see nothing but betrayals by the petty bourgeois elements in our society. 
The African bourgeoisie is the most corrupt bourgeoisie in the world. In Africa, they seek luxury in the midst of mass suffering. There are more Mercedes in Africa than in any other continent in the world. In America, as soon as they arrive at a position based on this blood of the people, they snatch that position and run away from the people. But you must not think that they represent the people. They only represent their opportunistic self using the people every step of the way. So you must not be confused. The petty bourgeoisie everywhere will be running for cover, but the masses will spare them not. Consequently, we who have dedicated our lives to the people's struggle, we who knowing that the people will always be free, we understanding that we must make a contribution to qualify our struggle since the 60s, have been, have been dedicating all our energies to only one task, the organization of the masses of our people. We are not running for mayor. We're not running for president. No changes can come from the top down. We're not stupid. Changes can only come from the bottom up. The masses and the masses alone can make them. If you want to learn something from the 60s, the lesson is simple. Organize the masses of the people. Thank you. Thank you. put the present Democratic administration in Washington, D.C. The whites were evenly divided. It was the fact that you threw 80% of your votes behind the Democrats that put the Democrats in the White House. The, when you see this, you can see that the Negro vote is the key factor. And despite the fact that you are in a position to, to be the determining factor, what do you get out of it? The Democrats have been in Washington, D.C. only because of the Negro vote. They've been down there four years, and all other legislation they wanted to bring up, they brought it up and gotten it out of the way, and now they bring up you. And now they bring up you. You put them first, and they put you last, because you're a chump. A political chump. The party that you backed controls two-thirds of the House of Representatives and the Senate, and still they can't keep their promise to you, because you're a chump. Anytime you throw your weight behind a political party that controls two-thirds of the government, and that party can't keep the promise that it made to you during election time, and you are dumb enough to walk around continuing to identify yourself with that party, you're not only a chump, but you're a traitor to your race. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. Let the ancestors speak. It's 819 here on the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. <clears throat> I want to thank our guest that was with us, spent some time with us this evening, activist organizing candidate for U.S. Senate, Tamara Johnson Shealy. Good conversation that we had with her brother Richard, looking forward to bringing her back. Yes, yes. I mean, it's, it's, it has all the elements, the right you know, um, and the embodiment of something that you always say that we can be able to run. We don't need a lot of money. We just need the spirit, the right kind of person. And we can organize, as Brother uh, Kwame said, organize, organize, organize from the bottom up and, and be able to be consistent in a policy, uh, in a, in a, in a, a campaign that reflects our interests. And, um, Sister Tamara, you know, I, I was, um, pleased that she showed that kind of tenacity. 
Yeah, you know, uh, the other thing I noticed, Richard, she said that she spent the past eight years uh, uh, building this grassroots uh, 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 type of uh, infrastructure that she has, um, where, you know, you see some of those other candidates, tens of millions of dollars have been pouring into their coffers, not saying that she don't need money, but the thing that's important, and especially when you're dealing with our people, is the unify, unifying effort and the coalescing, you know, coalescing around ideals that's going to help our people move forward. That's going to really be the uh, the glue that holds things together. And I just hope I hope we, you know, especially for the time for waking audience, when we're sometimes internally, you know, um, in this discussion about um, that we're not doing anything, that we have no um, no um, chance. As they, you know, no snowball chance in hell to 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 win anything, and I'm hoping that people see in that example with Sister Tamara is that with that consistency, as she said, I mean those numbers. That's what we have to look at, right? Those numbers show that there's winning going on, and I really appreciate her saying that she was going into the rural areas, right? And the the message of repair reparations resonates with folks. She said that people was on fire in the South dealing with it. But if you listen to this quote unquote mass media, you, you will buy into the notion that our people ain't doing anything mm-hmm. that we just sitting around twiddling our thumbs. And that's not true at all. Because if you talk to the people that's out there, that's active in the community, they see what's going on. If I'm just sitting as an armchair, or like I'm watching a football game or a tennis match, then I I just see what's on the screen in front of me. Especially if you look, you you got your, yeah, and you know I you know LA, I ain't had no television, I ain't had no television. But <laughs> you you got the channel, you you turned to the wrong channel. I mean, you could be turning, I mean, you could be looking at the wrong channel, and and but and see things and say you don't see nothing. But yeah, but you got to turn it to the right channel. Then you see you got 24-hour stream of what's going on, what people are being done. You know, and that's what and that's that's what we're um supposed to be able to assist each other to doing in order to let them know what is the right channel to be turning to. Then we can have a conversation. Then we can talk about how the consciousness of victory is what we need to constantly be advocating and promoting and checking in on and supporting. But if you turn to the wrong channel, all you can say is doom, gloom, and I'm ready to get out of here. <laughs> Save myself. So I should stop. I'll, I'll, I'll let that go. The, um, I noticed a couple of things in the conversation that she was mentioning. When Brother Otis mentioned about uh, contacting Roland Martin and uh and I may mention that, that he's not about doing anything like that. And she agreed, you know, that, that that's an indictment. And we talk about this all the time. That's an indictment to more popular. I'll use that term, more popular forms of black media where they don't really appeal. They might talk about what grassroots people are feeling, but they don't really appeal to the solutions that's going to deal with a lot of these issues. Oh, I mean, you, you'll you see, you'll see all what's going on in the communities, the homelessness, 
uh, the violence, the unemployment. They'll talk about those things. But when it comes to the real solutions and, and people that are involved in not creating these solutions that's supposed to be creating the solutions, that's when a little uh, sleight of hand starts. Because, Richard, it's written, and and I'll pass it over to you. Let me just say this. It's really odd that you hear the caller West that calls Brother West, and you heard her talk about the huge homeless camp encampment that's right out across the street from Dr. King's church. When have you seen that on, I ain't talking about ABC. I don't give a damn about that. I'm talking about popular black media. When have you seen that? where it should be some type of explanation from him as the leader of the church because he's quick to always talk about Dr. King in relation to stuff he's doing. But why is people, homeless people camped out in front of his church, that church? Why? What's the explanation? Just like she said, when he went to Washington, that should have been the first thing that he had dealt with. <laughs> and, 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 you know, what came to my mind was, as far as when we mentioned about Dr. King, is the continuation of the poor people campaign. Was, you know, the continuation of policy, I mean, poverty in the black community. I mean, and utilizing, if, like, as Brother Oda said, and utilizing this, the symbol being as a senator, if he can't do nothing else but be able to communicate to the rest of us what's going on and the dire need for our participation in our own best interest. But as you're saying, silence. But you know, the other thing that got me was the, um, and I, and I don't have, I, I have to review the information because you heard her say in her running those three times and building up that momentum, right? How the democratic party, shifted in their support Mm -hmm. and who they shifted it to and how we, because we're, we're quick to talk about um, Stacey Abrams and that mechanism. And it's not just her. She's the darling in the image for, you know, the, the, the propaganda machine to make it seem like she's the one that's doing it. But obviously there's a network of black folks that are being affected but when they actually, how are they shifting and utilizing that organizing effectiveness when it comes to the Democratic Party? Because she ran as a Democrat. She ran on a black issue. Mm-hmm. But obviously, the party and those black folks machinery, and that's what I wanted to, to tease out, because I see there's two different levels to this, right? There's black people within the Democratic Party that is supporting the objective, which is not necessarily objective of black folks and their issue and interest, but supporting the interest of white folks in the Democratic Party, interest, issue and interest. And then it's the white folks in the Democratic Party who are supporting white folks' interests and interests in the Democratic Party. And the coalition, the coalition, you know, coalescing around that it's the thing that is clear is not to support a black person 
who was saying, as she said, running on a blackity black political platform and issue. That's, we got to be clear. This is black folks who are in the Democratic Party at various levels because they're magnifying, you hear it all the time, how successful they're organizing they are. They're organizing in relationship to getting out the vote. But who who they whose interests are they getting out the vote for? <laughs> is the question, right? Am I am I missing something, Ellie? I mean, I don't know if my my my, my rant make is making any logical sense. But when we're talking about poly party politics, and as she say, it's a game. It's an organizing game. You can't be, um, y'all got to, they got to really be clear of who interests are they working on. And if they're not, then as you always say, the media, the town criers should be clear. Well, we'll continue to see more and more encampments, more and more gentrification, more and more, um, you know, jobs that paying. Uh, uh, and I like to you share that point about um, what you, what you were sharing with me about those, the, the, What's that? The wage, the minimum wage in Georgia. Oh how yeah, yeah, people, mm-hmm. yeah. How can people- <clears throat> That's why I asked her about the, um, you know, business opportunities, things like that, because you know we see, uh, and especially on certain black forms of media, or black orientated media, you know, when they talk about Atlanta, you know, that's like a. a another world black folks living all high on the hog and all types of fancy stuff and mansions and fancy cars you see it but that's why i asked her about outside of that metro atlanta area how's black folks faring uh business-wise and and job opportunities but uh i mean we because we talked about friday about the uh in relation to the the uh you know the sisters that and, and the and the young children that burned up in that fire over there in North Phillips section of Philadelphia, that the and talked about the minimum wage here in Philadelphia seven twenty five an hour, and that you can't, you can't that that you can't even function. You can't keep your head above water. You're drowning if you you're making seven twenty. You need at least three of those type of jobs to have some type of family uh, structure and 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 be able to support your family, Richard. Yeah. But in a, in Georgia, the minimum wage is five dollars and fifteen cent. It ain't even seven twenty five. Now it's seven twenty five for companies under that Fair Labor Standards Act. And that Fair Labor Standards Act, according to uh this here, it says any companies whose annual sales is five hundred thousand dollars or more or who are engaged in interstate commerce. So if you're working at Bud's Hardware Store or something like that, you ain't, might not be making $5.15, uh, seven twenty-five. You might be making $5.15. So you got two minimum wages going on in Georgia, seven twenty-five and $5.15, and neither one of them can support a family. And I believe there's a lot of black folks that's <clears throat> hardworking, honest, sincere, trying to keep, trying to do the right thing that is taking up because there's nothing else that 
in the, in the, in the immediate for them to do other than take that kind of wage and trying to make a way out of nowhere. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to her coming back on. You know, listen, she stated now she's she's a grassroots organizer, uh, been fighting down there, running uh, her campaign in Georgia, and you heard her state. Now we up here, and we going from published reports and looking at what's going on and following, just like she said, she she been following a lot of this stuff. And you heard her say that the people down there. She mentioned Warnock specifically that is not doing anything for the people. And that's why I wanted her to be clear because you remember when I read that thing on the time for an awakening about the ungodly sums of money that he raised in a couple of days down there in Georgia. And in fact, I might try to pull it up and read it again for the listening audience. And then they talked about the money that Walker raised. So if he raising these ungodly tens of millions of dollars towards his campaign coffers, then I guess somebody feels as though he's doing something in their behalf. It darn sure ain't black folks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So whose interests really are you working in? You heard Malcolm talk about these liberals that use black folks just to get into power or to retain power. You heard the prophet Malcolm talk about that, and he did that 50, 60 years ago. It's almost like a prophecy. It's right in front of your face. So these people that's funneling tens of millions of dollars towards him to repeat being in office is really getting their uh, 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 needs met. In fact, let me read something again. and I read it before from his position papers. Warnock, you can pull it up on his site. I'll read a couple of these paragraphs. There's a couple of callers sitting on here. It says, as a U.S. senator... I will support and build a strong friendship that has benefited the United States, Georgia, and Israel. I subscribe to the belief that this partnership has advanced our local economy, uh, international economy. As a senator, I will support the MOU, which is the Memorandum of Understanding between the United States and Israel. I will support the MOU and also do everything I can to further our shared economic and security interests well into the future. Um, However, as a friend of Israel, I oppose the global BDS movement. It's anti-Semitic in overtones and its refusal to acknowledge Israel's right to exist. While I'm deeply concerned about the injustices of the Palestinian people, I do not believe BDS is a solution to improving the quality of life in the Middle East. As a truth teller, I know that no singular country's actions are perfect, including Israel, and yet it is a true friend and a strong democratic ally in the region. As the next Georgia senator, I will stand with Israel and with the Jewish people to protect their interests. Yeah, that Richard. That ain't me saying that. That's him. He wrote that. That's his position. <clears throat> As a senator, I will do everything I can to protect their interests. He said that. So that's where you're getting all these tens of millions of dollars being poured into his. You ain't pouring it in. And when I say you, I'm talking about the John Q. Black public. You ain't pouring tens of millions of dollars into his campaign coffers. 
The people that he said that he would protect their interests, they're pouring it in. Whether it's Jews or whether it's just white Anglo-Saxons just pouring it in because he's going to vote for legislation favorable to them. They're pouring that money in. You heard the sister say that man ain't doing anything. So who do you believe? Pastor Warnock? Or the sister that's running against him? For reasons why, and the reasons why she's running against him. We'll put the information out there. And just like I told her, you know, I don't know. I don't, I know how it works on terrestrial radio. Uh, me and, and uh, the former host brother Reggie was on terrestrial radio for five years. I know how it works on there. When you have a political candidate on, they're supposed to have equal time. You're supposed to offer equal time to their opponents. Uh, it's a little different on internet radio. And it might be the same thing. I don't know because I've never investigated it. But uh, listen, the door is open. If Warnock wants to come on here, if Herschel Walker wants to come on here, it's open. We'll talk. Let's talk. Other than that, the door is open for the sister to come back on, talk about what she wants to talk about in relationship to what she's doing. Let's go to uh, Morristown, New Jersey. Are you there? Are you there? Morristown. I think Morristown must have fell asleep. Let's go to 215. 215. Good evening, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. How y'all brothers doing tonight? Yes, sir. Hey, Elliot, can I be a little smart-ass tonight if you don't mind? No. <laughs> I can't, Elliot, Elliot, you know I can't resist these things. I love you and Richard so much. Suppose the Jewish guy want to come on Ashraf and stuff. You, you, Who? You, the, 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 Jewish, the, Jewish, the Jewish guy that's the other senator besides Warnock and stuff. Do we do we have an invitation to Elliot? Well, they can contact the program. Uh, they can come on. <laughs> okay, I'm just. Ready but believe me, <laughs> listen, listen, Joe. Believe me, coming on this program, and I'm not trying to blow no horns because I just right. whatever's out there, I'm a question. But coming right. on this program is not like them going to Roland Martin or right. or Joy Reid or all them other shows where they're gonna get stroked. And ask right. politically, uh, uh, politically correct questions and all that old dumb right. crap. If they want that uh-huh. type of stuff, then they can go there. I know that's But right. if they want to be real with our people, uh, then you ain't coming here with no foolishness. Oh, and, and see, and I, see, that's why I said that. Of course, like I said, of course, I was being facetious. I know that if the Jewish guy Osborne, whatever his name is, if he came on your show. You will have no problem, Elliot, questioning him about Israel. And you ain't going to ask him no softball questions. You'll, you'll, you'll give it to him straight up like a man if he's mad enough to deal with it. Or he want to come and get defensive like most of them white Jews do. Oh, that's anti-Semitism. And like you said, Elliot, you can take a long walk off the, off the short pier, dude. And then again, this ain't the show that we're going to softball you. You know what I mean? So if you can't deal with that, if you can't stand the heat, homeboy, get the hell out the kitchen. Bottom line. Israel, I, I want to make it clear because their funding deals with domestic policy that does, that disproportionately negatively affect African people in America. And no question about it, Richard. No that's, question about it. You know, that's the that's the major core for where we are. Is how is it that you support these kind of people in the name of being allies? To us as a people, mm-hmm. look at our condition and don't have criticism in relationship to what is being delivered to our people. 
and, and, and see, Brother Rich, I'm glad you phrased it the way you did because I listened to one of the Caucasian stations late last night uh, and stuff, and that came up about because they had this Zionist guy on there, and he was, you know, of course, pro-Israel, and a white guy called him on him about it. And see, the white guy came from a historical perspective. He didn't call him names or something. He pointed out, and see, and see, this white guy name is uh, he's from New York. He's typical of these white Jews, cause, and this is a white boy got on him. He said, well, sir, you keep talking about Israel like Israel's some kind of great bacon of democracy and stuff. He said when they got a record of human rights abuse, not only against Palestinians, against against Ethiopian Jews and everybody, uh, Hebrew, Hebrew Israelites, black Hebrew Israelites, I mean, he just broke it down. He said, don't forget, he says Israel supported South Africa. They supplied that racist re- apartheid regime weapons that was used to kill the black indigenous people over there in South Africa, whether it was in Shopville, Soweto, other places like that. I mean, and and, 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 so, and when this white guy pointed him out, he came with this typical response because they don't like to deal with the truth, Richard. Oh, that you're an anti-Semite. You, that, that's that, that anti-Semite propaganda and stuff like that. And then when the white guy came back and said, well, it's George Voices for Peace which is a group of white men and women, Jew, white Jewish men, that, 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 that are highly critical of Israel. When I, cause as a matter of fact, I had dinner with one of the white girls. Her name is Phyllis Bennis, who I hope one day you and Rick, you and Ellie can have her on and stuff. She's a Jewish lady. Her name is Phyllis Bennis, and she's with Jewish Voices for Peace. She, 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 he, he called her a, 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 a traitorous bee. He called his own Jewish woman White a Jewish woman, a traitor's because she's highly critical of Israel. He said people like that are self-hating Jews. See, so you see, they always got a ready-made. So you want to even whisper them when you get white Jews that got some kind of humanity that criticize Israel and rightly so, they get attacked by people like him. These racist, vile, Zionist individuals. So, so, so that's, that's part of their playbook. But see, they throw them things out like anti-Semitism and all this stuff to shake you up especially people of color, especially black people for sure, but even they, they, they think they even use against white people as well if they want to speak out. You, you know, they come with their anti-Semitism stuff. So that's always been a tool of theirs, you know. And, every, and, and see, what a lot of people understand, Ellen Richard, within the black community, every black leader or black person of consequence has been called an anti-Semite by these so-called white Jews. Now, Dr. King was a Christian minister, he was labeled at one time by them as an anti-Semite. We all know Malcolm, Elijah, Muhammad, Farrakhan. I mean, that's winning. You had to go down that rabbit hole. But, 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 it, but even someone like Dr. King, an old country preacher, as they, as they would call him, he was called a, a vicious anti-Semite, you know. And I'm like saying, really, Dr. King? So, I mean, these people, they, that, that's part of their playbook and stuff like that. But let me say this, uh, Lynn Richard, because I'll before I talk about the the sister the, 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 the to Mary, who I was very impressed with tonight. We had a, Richard was aware of this, Elliot, but fired. Your phone's you breaking up. Oh, can, can, you, can you hear me a little better now, Elliot? Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know if you and Brother Richard was aware of this, but you had another tragedy up in New York today. It was a, a, a devastating fire at an, a high-rise apartment in New York. Nineteen people was killed, and I think 12 of them may have included children. I don't know if you and Richard was aware of that, Elliot. No. Mm-mm. Yeah, yeah, you're good player. It's tragic. It's so sad, man. And here's the deal. Now, you can almost be sure that most of the people was probably people of color, black or Latino. You can almost be sure of that because they, they're the ones that's living them kind of conditions. Now, initial reports state, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping Brother Jay, since he lives in New York, he can call if he's listening, and he, or, or, brother, or Brother Maurice or somebody can give us more details. Now, according to published reports, it started with a space here. 
So when I heard the story, because me and my mother talked about it, I said, Mom, day again is, is again, and even if that's true, day again is an indictment on the system. I said, we live in the in heart of the wintertime. This wintertime is in a, it's in a, it's in a, it's in a mist right now. It's cold out there. You got these cold, freezing, rainy days. I said, people don't want to live in a cold-ass apartment building or no cold-ass house. I said, I said this racist-ass country and wasn't so racist, and they had provided decent housing with these homes and apartments, Ellen Richard, that, that will have stuff like something that's up with central air central air or central heating, then nobody would have to use a damn uh, space heater or a kerosene heater or, or turn on their stove. You understand what I'm saying, Brother Elliot? Mm, yeah. They would, be, they, would, they would have sufficient heating enough. So, I mean, when people use these things it's out of desperation, man, because, again, you ain't nobody trying to stand no damn cold-ass apartment or house, man. But this, this country's so vile and racist, they don't provide needs for our people. And you, you see the Stood up with this punk ass city council president who who helped gentrify his people out of the neighborhood. He's 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 shedding those crocodile tears. But if you was doing what you're supposed to do, and you had some humanity, Negro, and you was making sure that those black families that perished the other day over on Fairmount, if they lived in decent housing, spacious housing units where they where they didn't have to be all bunched up in one damn 26 people in one damn unit like that, and you had them in decent apartments where you had decent heat and decent heat in the winter and decent air conditioning in the summer, they won't have to be resorting to things, dangerous things to stay warm or, or in some cases stay uh, cool. You know what I mean? They put out, they put out people in sex positions that you have to resort to using them kind of things. Because anybody knows, Elliot, the stuff that, 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 that stuff like space heaters and kerosene and, 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 and keeping your stove warm, of course them things is dangerous, man. But you're so desperate, you're trying to do what you can, especially if you got children, brother. You're doing what the best you can to try to keep your family warm, man. You know? It's a sin and a shame to the creator, man, that our people are forced to live in those kind of conditions, man, you know? And that's why when you, when we had Sister Tamara on uh, and stuff, I'm, I'm glad that she, she spoke speaks truth to power because, again, they don't, and, 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 and Brother Elliot, I can say these last couple of things, and I'll go because I need you. I don't want to monopolize too much of the time, but when you talked to Sister Tamara, you told her about how the system, they don't like people like her and stuff. And I'm sure she get what you were saying because and Richard kind of alluded to it earlier. See, they don't like people like her because they, and they always gang up on people like her. Cause they did, you had two examples, Ellen Richard, and I'll say these, these last item and I'll get off. They show you how racist this system is. They like house Negroes. And the stand office that's going to do the bit, like the Warnocks of the world, that's going to do the bidding of white folks and stuff, white, whether it be Jews or whomever. They don't like people that's going to pop out the people. Just over the past year, in the state of Ohio, and in, in the city of Buffalo, New York, where I have many family members there, including my sister and, and many nieces and nephews of mine living in Buffalo, New York. That sister who's from grassroots, she's just like Sister Tamara, and Dara Walton, who's number the single mind, whatever, she ran against that handkerchief head, white man's Negro, a Byron, whatever his last name is, who's been the mayor of Buffalo for the last 10 years. He's a house Negro. Black, black people in the Buffalo are, are, are catching hell. They live, they live in subpar conditions because of this Negro, because he, he's, he's been financed by the white Jews, white Republicans, everybody. She beat his sorry ass in the primary the other year, and that should have been the end of it. But what do the white people do, the Jews, the Zionists, and, and the bigots, when, 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 when it came to Came to the to the general election, which should have been a shoe for her. They had all these white folks 
come over to the other side, black conservatives, they all ganged up on his sister to make sure that they kept that house Negro as the mayor of Buffalo, New York. See, this is the kind of slight, and, and, and guess who did it? It wasn't just the white Zionists and the white Republicans. It was that racist-ass Democrat Party, because they had, they came and gave her sister the support. She still would have beat her sorry ass, but she had so much insurmountable stuff she had to deal with, because she had to deal with only the, the white Republicans and the white Zionist Jews and everything, but she had to deal with these white, so-called white Democrats and black Democrats that usually support their own candidate. She had to deal with all of them who ganged up on her to make sure they kept that House Negro as their mayor. And they did the same thing to the to, – to, when that remember Marcia Fudge took the uh, position with the Biden administration for her, Elliot? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, same with her. It was a, it was a re, very progressive sister who, who ran for that seat. I mean, sister was pro-black, unapologetic. I forgot her name. Her name escapes me at the moment. She was a shoe, and she was leading in all the polls everything. All that white racist Zionist money and Hank and Uncle Tom money and whatever you want to call it, they all ganged up on the sister and they put some old handkerchief in Negress and stuff to, to make sure that she didn't win. And, and, and guess who came out and, and, and think of this? We ain't, we ain't have to be no rocket science. We know it's always the same sorry-ass actors and stuff, the same old suspects. Guess who came up to Ohio? Now, he lived all the way in South Carolina, this Uncle Tom Coon. He came all the way from South Carolina to campaign for this niggers who they put up there. Guess who came up with the Clyburn? Because he was, he was doing what his white slave masters told him, the Democrat Party do. So he came up there with his crew to make sure he, he, he campaigned for that Uncle Tom's sister to make sure they kept that progressive sister they really loved and was unapologetically black to make sure that she didn't win. See, this is the kind of stuff that these Negroes do, and this is what Sister Tamara will be up against down in Georgia. They go, and, and this is what you gave a, a fair warning, because this is, what they, this is what they do. They make sure when it's a sister or brother that's running that really loves their people, they're going to do it. Now, you know, it's, it's cases that we can overcome that, but it's not easy because they, they come at you with everything. They make sure they get the racist whites, the Uncle Tom blacks. They get all them gang up on you and stuff. So this was Sister Tamara's face down in the state of Georgia, but hopefully she can overcome that, man. But this is what these Negroes do, man. And, and it's that damn racist-ass Democrat Party who black people get an undying blind loyalty to, man. It's, I'm telling you, man, we got to stop that mindset, man. We got we to gotta start holding these people accountable because I'm like Sister Tamara. I, I'm, I deal with both of them because it's the same people, the same uh, uh, wing, whether they white Republicans or white Democrats. They're the same people that's their white brethren and sisters on the other side. If we don't want to get caught up in that Republican, and Democrats, stuff like Malcolm say, these are the same people, conservative Democrats, conservative Republicans, liberal Democrats, liberal conservatives. Democrat liberals, Democrat conservatives, all the same white folks and stuff, man. So I'm, as far as I'm concerned, I deal with both of them devils and stuff. When it comes to moving our people forward, I don't have no problem sitting there talking to both of them because at the end of the day, they're still Caucasian people. That's why the Honorable Elijah Muhammad had the foresight to send Malcolm to talk to the, to the white Nazis in the Klan. Because you realize they're the, same, they're the same people, the Klan, the Nazi, they all white racist bigots and stuff like that. So, so, so we get so caught up in this, like, they, like, like, like either one of these Caucasian and people love us. They both don't hate us. They both don't like us. And none of them had our best interests at heart. So I'll talk with either one of them devils when it, when it comes to moving our people forward. And I, and I make it clear when I'm dealing with them, I don't love you no more than you love me. But we can move our people. We can move our people forward, and, and both of our people can prosper and stuff. 
then God bless us all. And, and if, 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 my, if moving my people forward means your people have to, have to lose something, then so be it. I'm not going to lose no stick because y'all don't do the damn thing when it comes to our people and make it clear to them. Play hardball with them. We ain't got to spend this time about being light and, and playing niceties. You trying to move our people forward and stuff with self-determination. So I don't give a damn whether that white man in the Republican Party or white man or white woman in the Democrat or Republican Party don't like me. I could give a damn over whether they like me or not, person. I'm not there for their like. I'm about moving my people forward. And, so we, and when, when we take on that mindset, we'll, we'll move so much forward as a people and stuff, man. But as long as we get to this integrationist mindset, they want to be loved by these people and, and play that game. And them people sure ain't looking for our love. And we damn sure shouldn't be looking for theirs, Brother Ellen Richard. And I just thank you, for, Brother, for letting me express myself, Ellen Richard. Now, you put me on mute, Ellen, and I'll listen for the rest of the show, brother. Thanks for your contribution. You're welcome, sir. Richard. Yes, sir. Uh, before we go to the next call, let me, um, that article that I referred to with uh, Sister Tamara and uh, Tom for Wickening audience, uh, I'm going to go back to it, just read a couple paragraphs of it. It came from a October 17th article in Politico. <clears throat> and keep in mind what the sister stated about those men down there not doing anything for the grassroots community or black people as a whole or as a collective. Uh, this article is from October 10th, the 17th, I'm sorry, Politico. Uh, the header is Black Senate Candidates Crush Fundraising Expectations. This is a uh, Democrat Raphael Warnock has taken in $9.5 million over the last 90 days. In his bid to hold the Georgia Senate seat, uh, Democrat Raphael Warnock collected a stunning $9.5 million in the past 90 days. Democrat Val Demings, who's challenging Marco Rubio in Florida, amassed an eye-popping $8.5 million. In South Carolina, Tim Scott brought in $8.4 million. All across the Senate map, but particularly in the South, black candidates posted blowout performances in most recent campaign fundraising period, leading to an unprecedented cash windfall that stands to reshape the Senate in 2022 and beyond. It's a dramatic turn of events for a group of candidates who have traditionally struggled to raise huge sums of money and to win marquee state elections. As a result, they frequently faced skepticism about their electoral viability or failed to achieve buy-in for their campaigns from party brass. Now, this is a quote. This may be an era where we can level the playing field, says Donna Brazil, a former Democratic National Committee chair. I think black candidates have proven more and more that uh, they're very talented, but we didn't have the resources to compete. Uh, this is the future. This is what I think Dr. King and his generation always envisioned. Yeah, well, Richard, in my opinion, Richard, in my opinion, I don't think this is what Dr. King in his generation always envisioned mm. because they wanted elected officials that, that they didn't have that many at that time, but they wanted uh, these uh, people to reflect the community, 
to work in the interest of the community. Uh, Dr. King had the poor people's campaign and other things like that. He was a man in the community. He had different ideas about our people moving forward. I'm not talking about his ideas about people moving forward. I'm talking about his concern for uh, the regular folks in the community. These people don't have that same concern. They don't work in your interest. This money that's being funneled into them is not because they're working in your interest. They're working in somebody's interest, but it's not yours. Some of the issues that black folks brought up when these people ran, and I'm talking about the blacks. I ain't talking about these whites. They always been playing uh, black folks as a political football, like Malcolm says. But some of these blacks that ran under uh, police reform, we're going to get the voting rights bill uh, uh, pushed, uh, business opportunities for blacks, jobs. Where is that? What what happened to all those agendas, Richard? I ain't even talking about reparations that, that a lot of them scared to talk about. What has happened to all those other initiatives? Some of them is dead on arrival. And you know, so did you they do that, the work to help the community or did they fail? That's just a question. No, you're, you're right. They say you're right. You know, as you, as you were reading those numbers off, I just want to bring back another um, so that we can keep up because we know um, during the presidential election um, leading up to it, there was um, black PACs. Remember that black executives? Mm-hmm created a pact because they wanted to be able to um, influence policy that would, um, you know, in relationship to their interests because they thought that the parties wasn't doing. So, um, you know, being, being open in relationship to our analysis that we've got to be clear also of how much money, if any, are going to these traditional candidates from those segments of the black community who supposedly have the ability to raise, if not no, 20, 20 million, 9 million, they could raise a million when it, you know, to contribute to that bucket, to contribute to that candidate, to contribute to um, policies that may not be working in the best interest to the, to the most of us. What, what does that clip, um, Minister Farrakhan said, you know, not to those, not to just to the few, but to the to the many, mm-hmm. we have to be conscientious and and make sure we're um, clearing our focus on being being able to break things down to see where all this is coming from. Because they they're not they're working out just like she said about those individual black democratic operatives, you know, or the what's her name Donna Brazils, that they are not working against the most of us for the benefit of the least of us. And she, and she's clearly a political operative. She, <laughs> she's went from the democratic party, got kicked out of that, went over to Republicans. They showed her the door. Now she's back. I think she tried to help Biden get elected. I don't know where she is now on the fence. I don't know. She's a, she's a money for hire. She's a job for hire. <laughs> Poor Donna. She just like all over and this is what Dr. King and, and the, the people of that generation envisioned. Are you kidding? Some of them men, when they was murdered by this government, they didn't even have enough money to have a burial. Talking about they was the envision. These, poli- these people, like you said, Richard, they're political entrepreneurs. That's a job. 
They want to get it and staying off just like if I get a job with the post office and hope to be there 30 years so I can retire with a pension. That's what they get those, those jobs for. They look at it as a job. They want to stay there as long. Some of them want to die in those seats. They want to stay there as long as they can and then leave with a pension. Instead of taking those things seriously, like the sister was talking about, because this is our people's lives. They're putting their lives, their children's lives, their financial stability, everything in your hands to guide it. Uh, we, you know what? Let's. Uh, I'm gonna t- just take a brief break, and then when we come back, we're gonna start to get ready to close things down. Uh, you better slip in while you can by dialing two one five four nine zero nine eight three two. That's two one five four nine zero ninety eight thirty two. Time for an awakening. We got a call or two on the line waiting. We'll be right back. Listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency in business for over 20 years. Located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services. Representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies. Offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger. Run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. Black Power. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global commit to you black family, to join your interconnected commit to you black communities, escape the digital plantation now, abibitumi.com, 
abibitumi.tv, abibitumitv.com, abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. that this problem needs to be solved and we can't keep relegating it to generation after generation because a few of us got a little money, a few of us got positions, a few of us have wealth while the masses of our people are going steadily down. No one man can rise above the condition of his people. The brother said responsibility. Is it, is it that we should let them take responsibility to do for us, or should we pool the knowledge that's at the table, the power that's in our community, the wealth that's in our community to change the harsh reality of black life in America? We have to do the job of fulfilling the black agenda. Thank you. message to the black man because the black man today is a man who has been made now almost into a laughing stock nobody takes the black man serious we're just used to be somebody's tool we are the sportsmen we're the singers and the dancers and we're also labeled as the pimps and the criminals and the drug dealers, and the killers, and the vagabonds of society. We're the bogeymen of British society and other Western systems. And we want to dispel that lie and destroy those myths and put the black man back on the map where we belong. Who is the black man? The black man is the original man. If it wasn't for the black man, no other men could be on this planet. We are the fathers of humanity. We gave birth to all of you. Here come big business. How are you? 
How are you, Judge? How are you, Alderman? <laughs> How are you, Congressman? How are you? How are you, Reverend? <laughs> well, what can I do for you today, Reverend? You can't do nothing for me. See, that's what we got to be careful of. We got to be careful of who we bow down to. Well, see, when you get in your congregation and you talk this Jesus, this powerful Jesus that's sitting at the right hand of the Father with all power in his hand, then you go with your hat in your hand to the governor, to the mayor, to the president, begging for some crumbs. You have sold your God cheap. And you make the white man downtown disrespect all of us. Time for an Awakening is a proud part of the Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black digital and podcasting platform. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 9.08 on this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. We're coming down the home stretch. Uh, you can try to slip in anything uh, that's on your mind. You can just give us, give us a call. Talk about it. 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Let's go up here to New York City, 646 646. Hey, Elliot, what's going on, um, Richard and Elliot? Two yes, things. Number number one, man, did you hear that Brother James and Tumay died? No, I didn't. Oh, wow. Yeah, you man, know, he was uh, he was ill. Richard, if you remember when uh, when Brother Brashia sent us that information, they had mentioned that he was ill and couldn't make the uh, announcement for the um, – the convention you remember richard right 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 yeah so oh boy wow oh, i'm sorry to hear yeah, that he, he he died he died this morning man of um cancer from what i heard man real good brother man one of the most clearest brothers man i ever heard when it came down to talking about us as a people and how we react when incidents like Floyd and all of that goes down, he says we become an episodic people, you know, and um, just just a beautiful brother, man, that really, you know, really for years. I mean, I mean, you, you're talking about he, he goes back with Karenga and the rest of them out there on the West Coast, you know, activism-wise. And then, you know, we're not even talking about music. I mean, come on, man. As far as what he did in the music game, unbelievable, man. Just a just a total tragedy and a loss for the community. Now, I heard Otis earlier this evening speaking to the sister saying that, um, you know, get in touch with Roland Martin. Now, let me let me say this. That's not a bad idea, but Roland Martin would never put her put her on his show, knowing that she's challenging Warnock. You know, because he thinks Warnock is a god. For what reason, I don't know. 
I just see him as another pork chop chicken eating pimp creature. You know what I mean myself. But um, yeah, um, he he would never let her come on the show and explain to the community the lack of things that he's doing or what he should be doing for the community because that's that's not a part of the reality or the agenda that they push in regards to this whole relationship with politics. Well, now, now, in reference to what you said, now he's a he's a black media. Uh, he's supposed to represent black media, and you know, like the town cry, getting the messages out. D- now, how do you view that in relation to what he is supposed to do, his obligation to his community? I ain't talking about his obligation to whatever uh, entity he's working for. But how do you see that in regards to the obligation to his community, whether he likes Warnock personally or not, to get the information out to whoever's running against these people, to put their position before the community? The community uh, deserves to know the position of these people. That way they can weigh whether they're doing what they're supposed to be doing or not. Well, I, I agree with you in, in regards to that, but he's playing his role. It's, his role is not really to be a facilitator of information to the grassroots. He's more or less a facilitator of information to what I refer to as the Negro Pink. That That's what his... That's what his thing is. He he he's the bougie Negro. He's the fraternity and the sorority Negro. He's the the Negro that you know what me and you may be talking about. He don't he don't agree with that because he feels as though we have to work within the system and be a part of the system and follow that whole direction of you know the 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 kings and the rest of them. I mean, you know, Sidney Poitier died, and he spent over two and a half hours um, praising that that Negro. And I give less to the f about him because of the simple fact. My politics boils down to this: you marry a white woman, you a dog to me. I don't care what good you've done in your life, because you ain't you ain't. Did no good as far as I'm concerned because you don't have the decency or the respect to marry a black woman. And if you can't do that, you can't do nothing for me, man. That go vice versa, men, women, whatever. I, I don't, I don't fall off of that path. But no, he he would never put her on. Now should he put her on? No question, no question. Should she be on? I mean, you know, I, I'll be honest. I wasn't paying total attention to what she was saying but the thing is i would assume that she has enough information and she's articulate enough to show the contradiction on what warnock is doing and what he should be doing on 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 that level which is something that people like um martin don't want everyday people to understand so I mean, you know, he 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 wouldn't put on. Now, if he did put on, hey, that would be nice. You know what I mean? How much time he would give up, what direction of questions he would ask her would be another thing. But, you know, 
Whatever you say about him, I mean, me personally, I give him credit for what he do. Because he's, you know, we can say whatever we want to say about this cat. He's positioning himself like no other body and media is doing because he's trying to make it seem as though he's the only person in black media that's out there reporting certain things. Nobody else is reporting the type of things that he's doing. Perfect example, what he just did with the two and a half hours of, um, you know, reporting on the death of Sidney Poitier, and then he breaks it down as, um, there's any other networks that CNN, blah, 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 did they give any time to, you know, making it seem that the Negro was greater than what he really was. So, you know, that, that's what that, that whole thing is, that whole thing is about. So, you know, I mean, I, I just think that it boils down to that we have to, we have to realize that these these people have an agenda, and their agenda is just like white people's agenda is to hold on to their position. People like Roland Martin's agenda is to hold on to his position and get a better place in whiteness and make as much money as possible in whiteness. Now, do we see it that way, and do we understand it? No, nah, we don't. You know what I mean? But the reality, the reality is that you have to look you have to look at this in a sense that we as a community have to figure these things out and move forward now what will be interesting is what will be his position on this conference that Bashir and them are putting together will he report on it he always talks about he's the only media that go to certain events and things of that nature will he will he go to that presentation and um, present it to, to the community? Because I would think that that would be something that the community should be, you know, involved in, right? Uh, yeah, or I would agree. About. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, so now he talks about how he was the only person that was in Atlanta for five days to cover what was going on with, with, with Warnock and Assault and, and, and them. Okay, so now I don't know how long that conference is going to be. Wouldn't you like to see for him to go and, and be a part of that, that concert, that, that conference, excuse me, for the amount of days that that conference is going to be in play, report on it, speak to the, to the people because most of the people are going to be the real people of the community there, you know, um, because he'll always indirectly bring up what happened with Jesse Jackson and then and Gary. Now, I don't know if Jesse Jackson is going to be part of this conference. Is he or not? Jesse Jackson? I, I don't know, yeah. to be honest. I don't, I don't, I don't think so. The, the, the people that I know that have been organizing it have never mentioned anything about Jackson or any of those popular okay. candidates. Richard, do you are you aware? No, no, no. I, I okay, think, so, I, well, so let, me, I, let me say this because um, if it's going to be, and, and, and I caught the Freudian slip, if it's going to be reporting, and this is this is my thinking of what this conference and what they're looking at 
it to be a part of. If it's just going to be reporting like it is a concert and where they're just, in the, in the, you know, going to be interviewing individuals, you know, like they're rock stars or, 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 or entertainers, then no, I don't, you know, it wouldn't, it's not better. But this, the process is supposed to be, because um, there's a follow-up process. There's a process, as you say, of dealing with um, the people who are supposed to be participating and, and, and for everybody to participate, to provide the opportunity, just like um, the sister Tamara is doing, to keep building a grassroots political infrastructure that will be working in our self-interest. And if all of what you're saying is true in relationship to Roland Martin being a symbol of a communication outlet, if their intent is not to do that, but to really continue to promote a political infrastructure that does not serve the best interests of black folks, then um, it's not, um, you know, whether he's there or not, whether he interview, it won't be beneficial because it's not going to be using the communication outlet to help people organize, which is which communication outlets should be about doing. Black communication outlets should be about helping people organize in their location by giving them the appropriate information so that they can do it more effectively. What, what Jibba Javis are you just speaking? Because the job of a so-called reporter news organization, if we are going to deal with it, is to be able to disseminate information and to put forward different different points of views. So what you're basically saying is you can't expect them to be there because they're not saying the agenda that he's pushing. But the importance of what they're trying to do, if you really about black media and black people, you're supposed to be there to report it. Now, how people take it, that's a whole different story. But you can't give no justifiable reason to why you would not be there. That don't even, what you just said don't even make sense. If you're talking about black media, you you got a person who portrays himself and promotes himself as the only true black media. So how do you justify not being part of something that is based on a time and a period which led to so much positiveness in our community. It's just like, do you do you now make someone who's been there from the beginning of this type of process? I'll give you a perfect name, Ron Daniels. So now you make what Ron Daniels is putting together and saying irrelevant because Ron Daniels is probably one of the organizers of this, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, that right there, though, that don't make logical sense. Ron to me. Daniels, now, one of the organizers of what? Issues. Huh? You say Ron Daniels help organize what? He's going to help organize the situation with Bar and them, I would think. I would no, think. I didn't hear anything about Ron Daniels he's not? being involved in well, that. I mean, I, I'll ask, ask Bar if he's going to be part of it. But based on that whole type of um, climate and, and and what they're trying to do, I would I would probably think Ron would be involved. Oh, well, I, I would hope he would be involved, but I don't know whether yeah. he was one of the organizers. 
Okay, but but I you know, I'm just assuming knowing a little bit about him that he would definitely he would definitely be involved in. And I also from what I understand, I think um Roz Baraka, the mayor of Newark, is involved also. Oh yeah, yeah. So, he, yeah. Mm. yeah. So so the whole thing is you have some very viable individuals that you know, Roland, if he's supposedly black media, is supposed to cover it and be a part of it. And I mean, you know, I know Otis is probably listening. You know, Otis is saying he's going to, you know, do his thing on Twitter, which he does. He needs to implement that into it when he do his thing and um, basically, oh, you, you know, put put Roland on notice. Oh, you just yeah. Well, let me, let me say this before we uh, move on. Um, yeah. And I want to say this in reference to what you said uh, in the beginning when you started talking about the <clears throat> Portier. Uh, and you, you gave your opinion on him with white women. Uh, now, I got my opinion on the people uh, going outside of there marrying white women. Uh, I don't agree with that at all. But in reference to Portier, and I'll use four men from that era as an example, because you had a lot of things going on during that period. Uh, you had King, you had Malcolm, who were the two prominent voices, but you had other voices, H. Rap Brown, uh, 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 all of them. Uh, uh, Kwame Ture, or Stokely Carmichael at the time, you heard, had a lot of voices. And if you take four men during that period, Belafonte, uh, Ossie Davis, Cosby, and Gregory, four entertainers, all of them was involved in some kind of way of trying to push our people forward. Now, they wasn't out there like King and, 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 uh, and Malcolm. They, they wasn't that type of men, some of them. But they put their money and a lot of times their effort into helping these men, when the men got murdered by this government, they put their money into helping them being a home-going service and be funeralized. So those men were friends to the community. They wasn't like some of these actors now that don't give a damn about what's going on in the community or come down on, on the side of white folks in reference to what's going on in the community. I ain't talking about what he did in his bedroom. Now, he was married twice, and they had a picture of his daughter on his daughters on social media. Now, I don't know. I didn't follow, you know, his personal life like that. I did know that he was married to a white woman. But it's clear from the pictures of those girls that that first wife was black. So, you know, I, I'm not going to jump him and trash that man's memory because he married some white woman. That's what he did. That's what he did in his bedroom. But his activities I mean, as a, you, wait a minute, let me finish. His activities as a man showed oh. respect for his community and his craft as an actor. He didn't do all types of demeaning roles. And believe me, I know that Hollywood came to him with demeaning roles as a black person, stepping, fetching, all types of stuff. He would know, steal or be, a, or be some type of drug addict and all. He didn't do any demeaning roles to demean his people. He conducted his life as an actor with dignity and respect. And during the volatile times of our people during those 60s period, he put his money and his efforts where his mouth was. 
And I just use those four men as examples because they was they was respected black entertainers at that time. Him, Belafonte, Ossie Davis, and Dick Gregory. And it's just so fortunate, Ossie Davis, him and his wife, was involved. Those other men's wives, I didn't see where they was necessarily involved in the struggle as Davis and his wife. And the thing about Davis, Davis supported King, and he also supported Malcolm. So I don't trash those men's memory because they had white women. Now, that's up to you. I let you talk and mention that you but didn't I get... I don't disagree with you. Okay. I don't, I don't... See, you think I, I, disagree, I disagree with what you're saying. I agree with what you're saying. I'm saying myself, and I don't neglect, neglect what he did do and the things that he did do. I don't think I said that when I said what I, I said about him. I just said I don't have no real respect for him for not making, for, well, for not taking that political p- position. But as far as what he did, the man did a lot more than most. So no, I'm not. I'm not trying to make it seem like I don't appreciate what he did. I don't respect what he did. I just, I just have issue with his, um, his bedroom partnership politics. That's all, bro. So please never, don't, 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 don't think that. You know what I mean? Because I know, and, and and the crazy thing is, I'm I'm not sure. I think it was Bella Fonte. I don't think it was um, Poitier that was disrespected when um, Coretta Scott King died. I think they told him he couldn't come to the funeral because George Bush was there. Well, no, that, and he let said, me let me uh, kind of clarify that because they didn't tell him. Uh, Bush and and uh, I forgot who else. It was Bush that wanted to come, and he wanted. He told the family that he wasn't coming if Belafonte was going to be there. They wanted him to disinvite Belafonte, and the family right. did. Now that's uh, I don't know what the hell is the matter with that King family because well, Belafonte was a friend of King. He helped bury they, King when he was murdered. I would have told Bush and them, I don't want you here. He's going to be here. Right. I mean, Belafonte set him and clothed him, just like, you know, Percy Sutton and others set and clothed Malcolm kids, Ozzie Davis and the rest of them. You know, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Portier and, 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 and um, you know, um, Portier gave money to Malcolm family, did those things. No, I'm just saying that we make, and, and this falls down to what, Otis was saying about contacting Roland about bringing the sister on. Certain individuals in our community make the choices of not dealing on the level of progressive people who have a different opinion than they do when it comes to blackness and certain things of that nature. And, you know, it's unfortunate where they have I guess, in a sense, the position to be able to do it. But um, listen, man, have a good night. Talk to you. Thank you again. And Otis, you know, if you're listening, I would attack it. I would attack it that way because I think that with Barshir and them are trying to do, I think it could be a real good thing as far as, um, you know, setting some sort of groundwork for how we move forward politically, especially with the fact that democracy and voter participation 
and all of those things are about to be a wrap. So yeah, well, you hopefully we, on Friday. We intend to have him on soon, so he'll be on. Who? Bachir. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a great, he's a great young brother, man. And I, I know. Also, another brother you may have heard of passed away last week. The street doctor, who they were all in association with, man. So, you know, man, it's funny, man. We losing a lot of people, man. And I guess that has to do with as we get older and we age, man. And and I always think about what's coming behind to um have the same type of relevancy when, you know, as you grow and develop, they start to pass away, man, because, you know, that that whole passing of Entume, it really gut, it gutted me, man, to... um to hear because um, it was funny. I was talking with Brother Fatim early in the day and saying something about it too, man. I didn't even know that he that he had died because Fatim had um, put out a, um, a picture of it too, man, and he didn't mention that he had died. And I remember waking up many a Sunday mornings to listen to him, Judge Pickett and Bob Slade in New York dealing with um, – you know, things in the community, man. And he was always on point, man. And then I had the chance to read about, you know, him and, you know, the music. And then I didn't even know that he was part of the US organization. Got a chance to do some reading and research on that, man. And then to him speak about our people and always, you know, just just talk about our development and our growth. And, and and I'll say this lastly, if any of y'all out there would like to hear him, um, you know, participate on, on, on subject matters dealing with us as a people, go on YouTube, man, and look at a couple of the interviews that he had with the Breakfast Club. And, man, you know, he just he, – he, I don't know, man. Words just can't describe when you lose giants like that, man. So have a, have a good week to all. Thanks. Put me on mute. Thanks for your contribution. Richard, before we wind things up, let's let's squeeze one more. Let's go to uh, 469. 469? Uh, hello. Uh, great show. I got in a little late. Um, I want to say one thing real quick. You know, I spoke to you all about uh, the time you all had Dr. Jefferson and Dr. Solomon on mm-hmm. that I was going to um, uh, have this one station in, in Houston, KTSU, on the campus of Texas Southern. Well, I actually had an opportunity to speak with the program director, sister by the name of Donna Franklin. And basically what she said was that TSU as well as 15 other uh, historically black colleges and universities, they're involved in this program, and I can't remember what it was, but they're promoting taking a vaccine. Mm-hmm. And she told me that, because uh, I told her, I said, well, you all are not being fair because you're you're not having both sides present their position. But she basically told me that they, they're promoting taking a vaccine, and they're not going to have anyone talking, presenting the other position. 
you know, if if they're interested or Dr. Jefferson or someone doing that, then there's some other stations that they can maybe call in to be a part of that conversation. But for, for them, they're not going to have it. And it's very disingenuous because uh, yesterday, now I, I made this call over the holiday uh, period, but it's very disingenuous because I did call into them to the station yesterday and presented, like I said earlier, that you all, that's not good journalism. Good journalism is presenting both sides. And then based on the fact, on, on, on the information, allowing people to make their own decision. So I just wanted to get back with you all to let you know that uh, how I came, how I fared in, on, that, on that side of it. So we see that our stations are not really being fair and and upfront with our people on an issue that's so important. You know, like I said, people decide what it is that they want to do, but they should have all the information so they can make an intelligent decision. And I know that from my perspective, I hadn't taken a shot. I don't intend to, but I'm going to do some work. You know, I'm building up my immune system. I stay away from things. There's work that you have to do Mm -hmm. if you're going to not take the shot. You know what I mean? Take the shot, and then if you want to go out and live reckless, you do that. But that's still, now they're saying that the shot is still not really effective, and people are getting sick. They keep changing the goalposts. Mm Mm-hmm. But what I do is I have the Paximune, I have the Ivermectin, you know, I have all my vitamins and so forth, my C, my D, uh, black seed extract and multivitamin. I mean, I have that all. And I've never stopped practicing wearing my mask and staying away from crowds. So I'm doing, it's work to do that, you know, if you want to be safe. But you should, like I was telling her, it's not good journalism if you don't present pre- present both sides. So one last thing I'll say, because I know you're short on time. Since Harry Belafonte and Sidney Poitier was the same age, I think that people would do real well to read Harry Belafonte's book called My Song. Have any of you all read that book? I haven't. No. I, uh, no. Read it. If you have an opportunity, it's a really, really, really good book. It gives you a lot of information about his participation and uh, uh, Sidney Poitier's a little bit about their, their participation in the civil rights movement. Uh, as well, you know, and how they participated in the civil rights movement. So I think now that Harry Belafonte is gone and Sidney. Oh, you're mean, talking about uh, Sidney Poitier. Mm-hmm. Sidney Poitier, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That you would do well to read about Harry Belafonte and you can get a real good uh, perspective on his, on his uh, participation in the civil rights movement. And he was extremely close. To Dr. King, mm-hmm. you know, 
um, Sidney Poitier, he gave money, but he went down one time to one of the struggles, and they almost got killed. And Sidney Poitier told Harabella Ponte, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'll send money. But in terms of going down there and being a part of it, nah, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I, yeah, um, I do remember uh, hearing just what you stated. Yeah, so that, that you know, that's why I was telling the, uh, the brother from New York that, uh, you know, during that period, those men, did, they didn't stand on the sideline like you see some of these black actors now with stuff going on uh-huh. and they don't have nothing to say. Those men did uh, put their, for lack of a proverbial term, put their money where their mouth was. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, they they got real close to getting killed, the both of them. They barely escaped. So Sidney Poitier said, uh, no, I will support it with my money, but I don't think that I can go down there and be a part of it. But Harry continued. He was always front and center, you know, as, as part of, of being the movement. Uh, so anyway, that's all I've got to say. And again, your program is always very good. I really got in late, so I didn't really have an opportunity to catch uh, most of it. But I did want to call back and let people know about my encounter with the uh, with TSU, and and uh, you know so that people would know how a lot of these black colleges and universities are being bought off. So thank you for allowing me. You, to, you know, uh, it's it, put in my before you leave. Um, if you remember, uh, <clears throat> Trump uh, was doing that during his administration calling in representatives of some black universities or giving them money. And especially when this COVID first broke out, because uh, some blacks closer to situations were saying that they were using some of the black campuses to, you know, try expect almost like a uh, um, case studies. So what do you, what do you call it, Richard, when you giving people shots and on in the, um, what do you call that? It's a term they use. That's it. Case study is, is, is good. Yeah, well, the, the, it, you know, the, the money was being paid to the universities, several of them, right? black universities, and it has continued under the Biden administration. So, you know, that didn't surprise me when they told you that they weren't going to do that because they don't want to yeah. jeopardize or cut out that money stream. You know, it, I mean, it, it's unfair, especially to it's young people at those universities. And they got right, a right to the, know. Uh, yeah, and, and our young people... They're young. They're still going through their identity. So if, you know, an adult and they they get the information and they're saying, hey, this is what you should do, because they have not formulated, a lot of them, some of them have, have formulated the, the being able to analyze and analyze those things, they'll go along to it, part. And we're talking about something that has not been proven yet. It's going to be years before we really figure out the side effects of these vaccines that people are taking. So it's very unfair. Brother, thank you all for allowing me to put in my little two cents. Thank you for your contribution. Yes. Richard, interesting program tonight. It's always interesting, especially when we kind of transition and go into open forum and, you know, kind of let the folks talk. Mm-hmm. But, uh, It'll be interesting bringing, uh, you know, waiting a couple of months or or closer to May and then bringing her back on to kind of see what's going on. 
um, in regards to to her candidacy and and, and what's happening. Um, I think more and more you're going to see people aligning on one side of the fence or the other because you got folks down there that's, uh, that have uh, that are supposed to be in touch with grassroots people in Georgia. Abrams has a network. Uh, Black Voters Matter. Um, the brothers and sisters, well, uh, that we had on referencing, uh, uh, representing them, you know, that had the buses that would go all over the South. So it's, it's a lot of people that's involved in quote unquote grassroots organizing and movements down there. So as she moves forward, I want to see, it's going to be interesting to kind of see where these alignments fall. I'll just leave it like that. That's it. Before we leave tonight, uh, let me give the lineup on time for an awakening media. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, African Perspectives with Brother Ushi. Uh, Brother Ushi was back on the air uh, last week, and it was good to have him back, sounding strong. That's 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Always interesting dialogue and guests on African Perspectives, and you can check it out Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Uh, later on, Monday evenings, and uh, they ought to be starting up soon again because it's January. Black Therapy Central uh, with the host Dr. Maria Kamban and Dr. Kamal Kamban. You know, they repatriated to the continent. They're trying to get the, their bearings, get settled. Um, and they'll be starting their program up soon if it's not tomorrow. Uh, later on Monday evenings, the first and third Mondays of the month, from 9 to 10, Conversation Reparations, which is in COBRA's uh, program. On Tuesday, from 8 to 10 p.m., Black Reality Think Tank with Dr. William Rogers. That's Tuesday, 8 to 10 p.m. on time for an awakening media. On Wednesdays, it's our time, the Black Farmers Program, uh, West Georgia Cooperative, from 8 to 9. And from 9 to 10, the Black Agenda Project with Dr. David Muhammad from Laytonville, um, from the islands. <laughs> I'll put it that way because sometimes he moves around. And that's Black Agenda Report from 9 to 10 on Wednesdays. Uh, Fridays, at time for an awakening is back from 8 until and on Saturdays, the elders of Sankofa with uh, Brother Alfonso Watkins. And then time for an awakening is back from Sunday, uh, on Sunday from 7 until. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion, as always, and we'll be back on Friday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. Peace. Driving through the country on a lazy afternoon Or you're watching your children playing after school
to play Such a small part of The things that they'll soon Be right at the heart of My little Tommy He said Save the children. 